0: This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. Hosted by Christian Black. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. Welcome back to that same old place that you laughed about. Well, the names have all changed since you hung around. But those dreams
1: have remained and they've turned around. Need Ooh,
0: so kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now here's Christian Black. Welcome
2: to the Blackcast. Very excited to begin our conversation about Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, not a long enough title. As always, I am Christian Blatt, joined by the Black Cast Zone Jeff Duray, not on Twitter, not on Twitter, and from Marvel Movie Talk and his own show, which we'll make sure to talk about before we're done. Jeff Williams Jr. on Twitter at Jeff Will Jr., unless I'm mistaken.
3: Nope, that is correct. Jeff Will Jr. across all platforms.
2: I've made the point of not asking either of you what you thought of Quantum Mania, Jeff Williams Jr., let me ask you first. Big picture, what did you think? It was what I thought it was. It was what I
3: thought it was going into it. Um, the first two Ant-Mans were not my favorite MCU movies, so I was very skeptical, go- se- skeptical going in, thinking that this is going to be the introduction into Phase 5, and we're all like learning from Ant-Man's point of view so it's going to be interesting and it was sure. as, as wacky and and I mean that in a, in a nice way it was as wonky and crazy you're say visually stunning and, and visually also like a lot of CGI um stuff so it was it was it was cool um if i'm giving it out of 10 i think a 6.8 is a great number um So that's, that's where I was,
2: but I I, 6.8. If, if you get that on every exam, you are going to graduate high school. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you, you know, you're not going to, you're going to be, you know, you probably go to community college, go to state school, you know, after that, but, you will graduate. That is a passing grade, 6.8 is exactly. out of 10.
3: And this was an
2: MCU movie. It wasn't a great
3: movie, but it was an MCU movie. <laughs> it's
2: true. Hey, it wasn't a a, a Fox universe movie. It mm, uh, wasn't a, doubt. you know, a Sony-verse offshoot of Spider-Man universe movie. Uh, it wasn't Jeff's <laughs> favorite, Jeff Williams's favorite. It wasn't Venom. Exactly. There was no carnage to be let in this movie. So, if, if if you're searching for nice things to say, it's not carnage is a great way place for you to start. Correct?
3: Oh, without without a doubt, I think that's a that's a great like just logo for any movie. Like, oh, it's not carnage. But I think <laughs> I think that's. I mean, I, yeah, I'm gonna just stick yeah, with even.
2: That. <laughs> by the way, even Morbius, even Morbius wasn't carnage. You know, it was like a half a carnage.
3: Yeah. But I'm I'm on the team of I gotta support both movies. So you know Morbius was great. So it was um, and, um, look. We're it, all excited
2: great. for Morbius two. It's Morbin time, and when it is Morbin time, we'll do at least three episodes on that. Jeff DeRay, right. your thoughts on Quantum Mania?
0: I thought it was fine, but I think it's one of those movies where it benefits from being told it's going to be terrible a bunch going into it, so that you set <laughs> low expectations. Right. I'd say. I enjoyed the first Ant Man. I thought it was funny. Uh, the second one was trash. It was just like there was no point in anything that happened in the whole movie. So I'd say this is uh, definitely I, I, better clearly you forgot man. that an ant played drums in the second one. My bad. I forgot yeah. about All that. Right. Uh, so yeah, Phil Collins played drums, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it he was, was in the air tonight. <laughs> he was. It was definitely better than the second one. I don't think it was. I didn't like it as much as the first one, but it was just, it was fine. And it's also like, I don't know, MCU, MCU movies in general have just like lowered their own bar. And I think for two reasons, one, there's such high expectations after the end game infinity sagas where it's like, so every movie's going to have every character in it and be three hours. Cool. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> right. So people are, I think sometimes having trouble adjusting to that notion. Uh I think for a movie filled with CGI, right, front to back, I didn't spend most of the movie being like, okay, enough. I get it. You're walking around in a green screen. Like they did a much better job with the environment than they do with a lot of movies that are this CGI heavy. Uh, I think in, if we're talking CGI, Modoc was such a huge miss. Like it just looks so bad. It was so weird. And it just like, none of it, like the Modoc character is kind of silly, so it 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 helped that he's already such a preposterous character already that we're just gonna show his butt and everything else that we did to make him seem more like the uh, Patton Oswald Modoc. But exactly. like, he just looked so bad. He looked nothing like Corey Stoll. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought they did a face scan of Corey Stoll to get that. It just, it looked nothing (laughs) like him whatsoever. So that wasn't so good. And then everything else is just kind of paint by the numbers, right? It's like, oh, father, daughter, uh, and then other fathers and other daughters and missed mothers. And and then a guy who's really just missing all of himself. He's missing out really bad because he used to be best friends with himself. And now he's just really resentful. Was that last
2: one, Kang? How he yeah. misses all of himself? Yeah, was <laughs> just making sure,
0: yeah. Well, um, so one other thing. Yeah, go I, ahead. I found myself w- with this one, especially with, I think, the first of the post-credit scenes just being like, I get that the comics came first, but the parallels between Rick and Morty and the MCU are getting a little uncanny.
2: Well, that's part of the problem that one of the many screenwriters on this is a Rick and Morty screenwriter. And uh, it's not an accident that it feels like it, you know? Uh, you could convince me that a Rick and Morty screenwriter did a pass on Multiverse of Madness because uh, especially like when they're jumping around, I'm like, okay, yeah, I think I've seen this before, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where's uh, Where's Pickle Doctor Strange and uh, all of that? But I think that, uh, yeah, I think that the, a lot of attention has rightly so been on Modoc, And I think the problem isn't, Modok on the page, on the script page, the idea that he was going to be Darren, and even his arc—I don't love it, but it's it's all right. But just visually, I think he's better with the mask on. You know, <laughs> it's like once you got the face, you're like, wait, there wasn't another way to do that. You know, you almost feel like it's it's like okay, well, this is this is clearly a temp effect, and 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 I think it's more jarring, Jeff DeRay, because of the fact that. I really was impressed by most of the effects. Uh, You know, I, I I think everything, you know, like the broccoli guy looked good. You know, Mm -hmm. the guy that they drank, you know, all this stuff looked great. Um, You know, uh, Bill Murray looked like he hadn't been canceled yet. You know, I mean, there's so much that they were (laughs) able to put on the screen. Uh, Jeff Williams, what did you think of uh, the, the effects since uh, that's where we've we've steered our conversation towards right now? I'm on the same on
3: the same lines as Jeff DeRay where he when he said that like it seemed like the CGI and the almost the effort is is not there after endgame. And even one thing I was thinking about, one thing that stood out to me is every time Cassie and and Scott were um, running running towards the screen, running running towards the camera, running away from stuff, it was like an obvious green screen. They're just running on a treadmill, and I'm like, why couldn't they just created part of the world? And then had green screen like be in the in the upper atmosphere and and, and what I'm trying to uh, an example would be when in Loki he's running around that town and there's obviously things breaking destroying and not all of it's real but you can tell the buildings are are like somewhat real real and it kind of gives a more realistic look to where he's at it's it's not it's not one and the same but um that's just my idea of like they need to kind of give us some type of realism. Even with the Guardians of the Galaxy and their their Christmas special, a lot of that was um, green screen, but there were still like some buildings, some lights that were still there. So it kind of gave us a real look at it. It just it kind of just took me out a little too much when I was like, okay, so they shot this in the same um, Star Wars green screen um, thing that, that everybody's been talking about the last couple of years. And it's just open world. And I and I had that feeling since I saw the commercial. So I, right. trailers, so I it didn't really get any better when I saw it in person.
2: Well, with the uh, Guardians Christmas special, they did so much CGI in terms of creating characters that there was a version of Kevin Bacon that looked like he'd had a lot of work done. So obviously they, they really went above and beyond in there. But I know what you mean, and it's interesting because I would never want to put the idea in George Lucas's head to uh, redo the effects in the prequels. Uh, but... They were, everything was blue screen, green screen. And I think in the decades since, you know, we're almost 25 years away from Phantom Menace at this point, people realize it's like, ah, it's better to have a little mix. And I think that Ant-Man probably did a little bit of it. I think they could have done more where you have some practical stuff on set. And then for the truly just absolutely bonkers stuff, that's what the green screen's for. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that, you know, if you're making a movie in a green room, uh, it's uh, going to feel like you made a movie in a green room. You know, um, I think that uh, there's enough in this world that is believable, surprisingly, because, uh, you know, if you told me like, you know, almost the entire two hours and three minutes they're in the quantum realm, I would have been worried before I saw it. I think they did more good than bad. But you're right. The stuff that doesn't quite work definitely jumps out um the uh, yeah Jeff Deray's point about Modoc though is uh is, is not lost uh it, it visually it's uh it's
0: it's very <laughs> jarring uh, what were you gonna say Jeff Deray? I have an idea tell me what you think I would much rather Modoc look like a 1980s Jim Henson Muppet face. I think it would be way more funny yeah. I think it would be way more interesting and then you could just have a quick line of like keep keep the mask on.
2: And <laughs> yeah well yeah if it was just uh, if it was Corey Stoll's voice you know and uh, they're like oh we don't recognize you it's like really i thought i looked to say you know there's a lot you could yeah no absolutely um for me i think one of the best things that they did was i mean we get to the quantum realm really quickly i'm glad that we don't start out there and i think it's a fun reset you know like hey look There's there's Scott. We get to see his life. You know, he's able to be free now because I know we've we've seen him in Avengers movies. But the last time he was in his own movie, he was still under house arrest. So it's like, okay, he gets to go out. He gets to do stuff, get the reset. And uh, let's speaking of resets. Let's hope you don't recognize that we recast Cassie because uh, you didn't really get to know her in endgame. So that'll be all right. And, uh, you know, and then like they go from that dinner to like, oh, well, whoops, we ended up in the quantum realm. And uh, at least I think that they hit the ground running. And I think that, you know, you can have issues with what happens along the way when they're actually there, but they get there pretty quick. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I did not feel that this movie dragged on, but uh, I've heard that from some people. And let me ask you, Jeff Williams, do you feel that there was an issue with the pacing?
3: No, I, at all. I mean, I, I totally agree with what you were saying. Like, I love that the fact that they just kind of got into it. There's yeah. a lot of story to tell. There's, I mean, this is not exactly what we were talking about, but it's about the story. I love the fact that Jonathan Majors uh, or Kang and, and, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm missing her name already. Janet. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I love their storyline because not only was it a, a cool B plot that kind of led into the A story, but it was, it was kind of reminiscent of like, her being um an original avenger and so and Kang being an original villain and stuff so like it was cool to have that story as well i thought the pacing throughout was was pretty good honestly i didn't i didn't think it dragged it was only 2 hours so like i thought they did well for the 2 hours
2: look after matt reeve's batman uh, i think that uh it, it's going to take a lot for me to feel that a movie uh, slogs along because even you know, even uh, even Zack Snyder's Justice League, I knew it was four hours going in and uh, I watched it at home. It was broken up into chapters, you know, so as long as that was, it didn't feel long. Ooh, that Batman movie felt long. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, would I watch that again? That yeah. like three hour and one minute Batman movie. Jeff DeRay, what did you think of the pacing of Mania?
0: I didn't have any problem with the pacing it definitely moves and there's it's almost like there's a lot of ground to cover that they don't even get into like we don't spend any time getting into the backstories of all these like people that live there right like these kind of refugees on the outskirts Mm -hmm. that are all different kinds of creatures that's a fascinating story of like where are you from how did you get here because there's times where it seems like like when Kang and Janet get together it seems like the quantum realm is empty. And now it seems like it's absolutely brimming with different species and all sorts of things, which could be a result of Kang being there, or it could be a result of who knows what. Um, I think one thing that that was a miss is in terms of we could have had a beat to better explain why Janet would have kept all of this a secret, because just being like, I didn't want to tell you is kind of a stupid reason. Yep. It's like. Oh, I have multiple movies where I could have mentioned this and I'm just didn't. I had no problem with you dipping your toes in the quantum realm until quantum mania. And now it's a right. If problem. if if this happens, you know,
2: in the movie where they rescue her and then like, you know, later in that movie, they end up sucked back in. OK, he didn't get a chance. There's been a lot of times she could have at least told Hank,
4: mm-hmm. you know,
2: I think she certainly could have told Hank. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it is a little like, okay, I, I guess you didn't talk about it, but, and you don't have to go into all the specifics, you know, but, uh, I agree that, you know, and you can explain that you really wanted to get away from it. Uh, I want to bring in some of our friends in the chat, uh, Dominicus Saxon really enjoyed the movie with the tie in with, you know, who at the end, uh, that is a pretty exciting moment, uh, there at the end, Daniel drew. Uh, says uh, still need to see it in non-3D, but enjoyed it. As my blog post says, definitely recommend 3D. Sad about the probably only two or three Marvel shows this year instead of five or six. That's okay. I think we can uh, focus on that at some point. But in some ways, less is more as long as what we get is better. You know, I would love to have two or three great shows instead of five or six that are okay, you know. Uh, So whatever it takes, you know, the Marvel's getting pushed back to November to me says it wasn't going to be ready for the summer. Let's take a little bit more time. Let's make the movie better. Uh, So uh, in general, I'm okay with that stuff, except for the sense that like Daniel, I just want it all right now. You know, (laughs) it's like, can you just give me all the movies and all the shows and then I'll watch them at my own pace, Uh, which is really just, you know, gorging myself on them. Um, I saw the movie twice cause the first time I went, I did not make it to the screening that was in the, uh, the 3d IMAX theater. So I saw 2d the first time didn't have a problem with that, but I really felt like the visuals there's so much to them. I really wanted to see them, uh, 3d and IMAX. And a lot of times I don't feel like I need that for, for movies, but this one, it kind of felt like something that, uh, I would want to see you know, on the big screen and be reaching for some of the, the weirder stuff. Jeff DeRay, did you see it in, a, in a, a large screen format or did you see the good old 2D?
0: I saw it in 3D and that was definitely worth seeing in 3D. Like, There's clearly a lot of scenes that are crafted for 3D and you can tell not only from the way the camera moves three, through it, but especially watching it in 3D, you can see like, oh, you made it move this way to accentuate your 3D shot. Which, again, if, as long as they're crafting it for 3D and they're not just being like, and then we'll slap some 3D into it at the end, <laughs> like, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for it. It's, right. it, it I think it's, it's something that makes going to the theater more worth it, especially in the age of 45-day streaming windows.
2: Right, it's a great point. Uh, because I saw it in 2D the first time, when I saw it in 3D, there was one very specific moment. It was when Hope in tiny wasp form was flying like at the, one of the, like those helmet guys. And there was somebody who had like a long tongue that was trying to get her like the tongue flicking out into the audience. I'm like, okay, this is a very cool, like 3d moment. And uh, that's the one that stands out. But I think that there were a lot of those, uh, Jeff, uh, since you basically watched it, you know, in the airport, uh, did you, uh, were you a uh, beggars? Couldn't be choosers. Did you get to see a 3d or did you watch a regular format?
3: So, um look i watched it in regular in regular 2d but mm-hmm. the tickets that i actually had i ordered when they when they first came out because sure. i didn't think i was i just forgot that i was traveling that day so luckily right. i already had tickets at 6 30 o'clock or like 6 30 right after work and but it was it was 2d and i'm actually one of the people that don't really enjoy 3d i'm i don't like wearing glasses when i go into the theater uh, I don't know. It just gave me headaches when I was younger, so like sure. I haven't watched a 3D movie in ages. I've I mean watched all the movies just in 2D version. So like the the fact that you guys said that there you get more out of it, I'm kind of interested to see. Just like this, and then the new Avatar movie, I saw that in 2D, but like I see where people get more out of it in the 3D landscape. It's just I I had bad experiences when I was younger, so I just haven't gone back.
2: Yeah. No. I mean pre-avatar i usually didn't see things in 3d because of you know just remembering and 3d also used to just be really bad i mean you know jaws 3d friday the 13th 3d the 3d was pretty bad and you would wear like the red and blue glasses yeah. the little paper glasses so uh yeah and i think you know seeing it for the first time in 2d i don't i don't feel like you lose that much it's just it's like extra you get some cool stuff Avatar, I feel like so much of the movie is it's 3D that, uh, you know, there's not necessarily enough story there. Uh, Kami Egan with, uh, you know, very indicative of the way people are feeling about this movie. I didn't know how I feel about this one. I liked some of it. Other parts I thought were dragged out and one character arc I thought was dumb as hell. Uh, Kami Egan, tell us which one you think that is. We'll try to get to that. Um, I'm very slow with the chat today. I'm uh, very nervous uh, about uh, bringing in extra elements because as people may know, my uh, I, I'm, I've got my fingers crossed and uh, I've got uh, duct tape uh, holding my Wi-Fi together. But in any case, um, I think that uh, it's interesting because when I saw it on Monday, Uh, the reactions hadn't started to really come out. It was after that when people who didn't like it, let you know that they didn't like it and Mm -hmm. they let you know why they didn't like it. And because people didn't like it, uh, they were, there were a lot of spoilers getting dropped all over the place where I was like, like people, somehow they took pictures of things that were on screen. And, you know, usually when you go to these screenings, there's like people watching you like a hawk. So uh that was a little bit obnoxious uh Jeff Williams, uh, were you able to avoid spoilers or did you know anything going in
3: i I mean for the most part, I was able to avoid any big spoilers um and I blame Marvel for that because when I watched the trailer, I felt like I knew everything that I needed to know about the movie. there was just gonna be feel, it was just gonna be filled up with story and the fact that like we know who the main villain is we know. They have to save. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see anything new. And luckily, there was no spoilers. Um, I guess like the the king stuff at the end, like the end the end credits, that wasn't spoiled for me. So I was happy to see it. Yeah. Um, the, right. the title of like the next Avengers movie kind of spoiled that in a sense, <laughs> but it was yeah. still really cool to see.
2: I mean, we've seen versions of this character die twice now, and uh, you know that like we're you know because he he died on Loki you know mm-hmm. uh, and so it's like okay so that's what's gonna happen every time i guess and then you know you get to see an entire arena of them uh jeff de were you able to uh have anything uh was any well you don't you're not on social media so it's so much easier to not have things spoiled so basically uh if you're if your girlfriend or your dog didn't spoil probably okay
0: yeah, I didn't get any spoilers. I mean, I don't even know what there really is to spoil in this. Like like Jeff Williams said, it's uh it's all kind of by the numbers, right? Like you know exactly what's what's gonna happen. Yeah, it's I think that's one of the big problems in the MCU, right? Where it's like it's a it's an episode of a TV show, it's not a movie anymore. Because a movie right. has stakes where it's like this might be the entire story. Your hero might die at the end, your you might have these things. Whereas with the MCU, it's much more like, and here's your episode of Ant-Man. You know, he's not going to die because you'll know when he's going to die. Don't worry about it. Right. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know, it's uh, you can only pull
2: that off so many times, you know, like when when Tony died and, and you know, Jeff Geraita, the thing you were saying earlier, I think that people have held up the post Endgame movies to a standard that they weren't before that because you know Endgame was a movie that you felt like it could at least be nominated for an oscar couldn't it i mean it was big it was epic in the story and all that but like everything since it's more like it's like reading comic books you know it's like okay yeah this is like the this is like uh you know ant-man volume three where you kind of remember him and he comes in and you see it but Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's just pretty good. And every once in a while, it's just downright bad. And uh, I didn't feel like we got that. Uh, you know, I didn't feel like this was bad. I think the only real spoilers were that it was Darren under the Modok hmm. mask, which isn't huge. And then seeing Loki at the end, I think, is the thing that. There's a couple of people that I know that I'm glad that they were able to be surprised by that because of how much they love Loki. <laughs> so, um, Kemi Egan explained uh, a little while ago, I like the introduction of Modoc, but in the end he decided not to be a dick was dumb as hell. I can see that being a character arc that uh, you didn't uh, you didn't like. I think they telegraphed it by the fact that Kang was just a dick to him and told him not to talk around me. So that's sort of like, hey, remember this. He's got no love for Kang, so uh, maybe he's going to help out some other people. Uh, But I don't know. Again, it's Ant-Man, you know, because it is a little bit more of a lighthearted, less uh, serious sort of a thing. Well, we're talking about Kang. Let's uh, talk about who I think people who didn't even really like the movie, uh, people who outright disliked the movie what they will give as a caveat is that Jonathan Majors was fantastic. And we saw him as he who remains in Loki, which is a slightly different version of this character, you know, and we get to see, you know, thousands of him at the, uh, in the mid credit scene. But uh, I I agree that uh, he was great. Um, He was also great in the, uh, the the pilot movie that came out from Sony earlier this year. What was that called Jeff Williams?
3: It was called Devotion. It was a great movie.
2: Yes, it's a fantastic movie, and I hope everybody saw it. I'm sure it's available uh, for purchase on uh, iTunes now or on Paramount Plus. Yeah, look at that. Okay,
3: that's one thing about Sony. We don't we don't have a streaming service, so like our our movies once it's out of theaters, it just goes random places. No shade to to... no shade to my company. It's just a fact. No. And,
2: and you know what? I appreciate that they don't have a, a streaming service because like MGM has one now. And I, I think it used to be something different, but it's like, yeah. Oh my gosh, enough already.
0: Watch <laughs> so really, and they'll tag it to PlayStation. It will have like a free six month subscription when you buy a you, new PlayStation. You're mm-hmm.
2: absolutely <laughs> right. Because it's like Apple TV plus, I got it for a year because I got a new iPhone and they had like four shows at the time. Just one of them. One of them was Ted Lasso. So it helped. And uh, by the way, I've I've got three months of free Apple TV Plus because I bought this phone and I'm waiting for Ted Lasso to come back because I'm very (laughs) smart. Uh, In any case, that's not what I was trying to talk about. Uh, Jeff Williams, Jr. Let's talk about Jonathan Majors in this movie.
3: Yeah, I I loved him in this movie. I love I was excited to see how he um, continued the character because it was a big, um, big part of what I liked about Loki as well, even though he was just in the finale. But um, I'm a huge Jonathan Majors fan. I think there's going to be a huge um, character and actor for the MCU. And when he gets to go outside of just the quantum realm and kind of actually see the, the when he meets like our Earth heroes, I think there's going to be really some real cool dynamics and real cool um, standoffs that, um, that he has with the new Captain America with just the new heads of the Avengers because he's killed Avengers before. So this is nothing new to him. But this is gonna be our newest big bad, the the biggest stakes. So we're gonna. It's gonna be cool to see.
2: It's a great line that he has. I think it was in the trailer. It's like, have I killed you before? Are you the one with the hammer?
3: So you know that wasn't. So for, as, correct me if I'm wrong. That wasn't in the trailer, but it was. It was in a trailer that was released like at like some conference or whatever, some oh, okay. press conference. And then, then that line never made it to the actual trailer that was released. Because the first, because right. yeah. he was like, um, "Have I killed you before?" But I, don't, I still don't think that he says that in the movie. Or he, he might, but he definitely says the hammer line in the movie. That's not in yeah, the trailer. He
2: definitely, he definitely says that. Yeah, I. Uh, that uh, was Jeff- one thing that was uh, spoiled for
3: me. Sorry to to cut you off. the The Thor, the Thor hammer thing about him killing Thor, I found that out the day of. I was going to see the, see the movie, so that was, oh.
2: yeah. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, the the worst is when you're in the movie theater and, you know, you like go to the bathroom and somebody's already seen it and they're like, oh, man, I can't believe that it was, you know, uh, how about the seeing Loki at the end? You know, that's always like you got to you got to keep your earbuds in and, uh, you know, with whatever you're listening to really loud, because you just, you know, you need like total sensory deprivation until you sit down. Uh, Jeff DeRay, what did you think of Jonathan Majors as uh, our first official iteration of Kang?
0: I thought he was phenomenal. I mean, I think he's, it's a, it's a perfect, uh, I don't know what you, what you want to call it, but it's, it's serendipity, right? Like the perfect actor finding the perfect role because he, I love Jonathan Majors. I think he's been, uh, I think we talked about this on the last podcast with Will, where it's like ever since Lovecraft Country, where he really kind of pointed out just how awesome this guy was. He's been doing tremendous projects. And I think, the reason why I think he's so perfect for a role like this is because he's got enough charisma to be a leading man and to like, you know, play this major character, but he's enough of an actor or doesn't take himself so seriously that he won't do the silly voice for Immortus or like all these other things. Like he's really willing to stretch into all these different versions of this character. And I don't think that's something you always get with people that can lead like a list movies like he can. So I think it's really awesome to see somebody with that level of talent get to play a role like this, where we really can see him do all sorts of different things.
2: Right. Exactly. I think uh, realizing that you could complement this universe in a way, instead of if you had been, you know, cast as, uh, as a hero, who's like, you know, one of 20 Avengers or something uh, and, and really have the kind of impact. I mean, you know, really a a Thanos like impact, you know, uh, my thought was towards the end when Scott is keeping him from going back up to, you know, the real world as it were. And that fight scene, it gets so hand to hand and it's like boxing. That's what I'm convinced. I'm like, Oh man, his Creed three character is also a King, isn't he? (laughs) You know, I think every character he's ever played has actually been a King. So I'm going to develop that theory uh, as I work back through his filmography, but uh, even in devotion, he might, he might've been a King, you know, he was just keeping it all in check the whole time. Jeff. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, no, I mean, I think just, it's great, you know, because you, you see in the flashback when Janet meets him and then as she's finally telling the story, you know, how she gets to know him, but doesn't know him at all. Like that reveal not every actor pulls off that moment where you have the literal what they call the face turn in in rest in wrestling, you know, like the fair, I guess that's a heel turn, but it's this the look on their face of like, oh, okay, you got me. You figured it out. And uh it's a it's a great moment. And I think just, you know, the the performance is fantastic. They I think that they give him lines like, you know, when she asks him, Who are you? He's who I who I need to be, you know, it's not. It's not like, I don't know. I feel like in the 90s, it would be like for the trailer, I am Kang the Conqueror. And then, you know, there'd be like two more sentences where he describes what he's done. Instead, it's like, well, you got it in your head. You kind of you know who I am. And uh, I think that reveal is great because we know he's Kang. You know, we knew a long time ago he was cast as Kang. Before he was even in Loki, we knew he had been cast as Kang. So uh, I think... Just that interaction is great. And, you know, I think that what they did really well for me with Kang was that you see he's incredibly powerful, but not all powerful. And ironically, his undoing is that he didn't look out for the little guy. He didn't think that, you know, he says to Scott, you talk to ants, you know, and it's like, Well, yeah. And uh, so does Hope's dad. He talks to a lot of ants and that's, you know, I mean, that's not what kills him, but that really, you know, defeats him. And I think that uh, it's, it's a really nice touch because you're beaten over the head by his book. By the way, the book is available for pre-order. It'll be released in September. Uh, If Paul Rudd does any book signing, uh, I will definitely buy that book. Uh, and uh, I w- I'll, if he signs it, Paul Rudd, I'll be like, no, you got to sign it to Scott Lang. What are you doing? <laughs> so, um, I, I, but if they do an audio book for it, I mean, he was listening to it in the in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, this idea, you know, and I mean, I think yeah, Cassie says this when she's kind of broadcasting to the quantum realm of like, he's not invincible. He was Kang the Conqueror, not Kang the Invincible. Uh, so the idea that you can overwhelm him, but it has to be in sheer numbers of like an entire ant colony. You know, I thought that uh, it was an interesting way to beat him. And it wasn't with just some like time travel trickery. You know, it was kind of getting beaten the old fashioned way because, you know, they were able to get through uh, all the defenses. But I was very happy with the Kang arc, especially because you know that uh, this arc is going to continue through many movies and sequels, and uh, you know we talked a little bit about the mid-credit scene. Uh, Jeff Dre, you mentioned that this character Kang is also at different times in his very long existence. Other characters, he's uh, he's Ramatut. That's the Egyptian version of him. He's a Mortis. Uh, not pictured in here is a character, I think he was called the Druid or just Druid who was actually a member of the Avengers uh, you know, like in the late 80s around issue 300, he also ends up being a Kang and I think Iron Lad, there's several different iterations of the character we didn't even see all of them, you know, and we saw a lot of Kangs, but we didn't see the other versions of him so I thought them having the conversation uh, it's just like, oh man, they can they can really milk this for a very, very long time. And uh, uh, I, I, I hope that uh, we get some good storytelling out of the entire Kang dynasty. Um, any any thoughts on the Kang arc uh, before we move on? Let me ask you first, Jeff DeRay. Uh,
0: no thoughts on it. I mean, I'm excited for what's to come. So far, so good. Yeah, right, exactly. And uh, I thought it tied in so nicely
2: with, he who remains from Loki and not just the scene at the end, you know, it's just both of these characters, Jeff Williams, like in Loki and this one, they're both saying, no, I'm the good one. I'm the one who's going to stop all the other ones. And I'm just like, oh man, they're all going to say that. Aren't they? They Mm -hmm. all think they're the good one, but they're all the Kang one. So they actually all have to be stopped. And it was, it it was something that, uh, you know, I was kind of left with Loki. It was kind of like, you can doubt whether or not he made the right decision because maybe he was the good one. But I don't know about you, Jeff Williams, but my takeaway is that they're all bad.
3: Oh yeah, they're all bad. And it makes me think that one, I mean, just, I thought this uh, Kang was going to be the one that kind of ventured off and like was going to be the leader for the movies that we've, saw, that we've seen. But it does, I I don't know if we're going to see multiple Kangs be the, the main villain in Kang Dynasty or is one going to kind of, Go against the group of kings and kind of take over um, the timelines. It's, it's a lot of possibilities, um, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the storyline goes. I um, I'm just interested to see where where's where's going next because we have Guardians of the Galaxy, which seemed pretty. I think it's fairly galaxy, self-contained. It contained. Yeah, yeah. self contained I think the Marvels is the is the obvious next um, step for him. I don't know how but i think that's just the next movie and i think that, i mean they're going to be going they i don't know who their villains are yet so um have they been confirmed i'm just i'm just guessing where he could be next also yeah. because kevin Feige was on the red carpet for this movie uh getting excited about um kang and he said we already and just stopped so like, he almost pulled a tom holland <laughs> saying that like they've already shot it they've already talked about what his next movie like so there there's some excitement going around with with kang and i'm excited too
2: Yeah. They should uh, not put Tom Holland in any of these movies because he'll tell everybody, uh, you know, Uh, uh, just to uh, take a step back. I like this point from Cammy Egan. I love the look of the quantum realm. It gave great fantasy vibe and reminded me of Dorothy going into Oz for the first time. I think the reveal there was actually pretty cool. And I think it is something that if they hadn't put the right amount of care into it, uh, it, uh, you know, it, it, it easily wouldn't have worked. And, uh, I thought that, uh, you know, there was a the right amount of, of fun because this is an Ant-Man movie. I think that that Bill Murray character doesn't work in a lot of MCU movies, but he absolutely does in here. And, uh, you know, I think that I, I talked to a friend who was uh, disappointed that he doesn't come back later in the movie. I'm like, that squid thing ate him, you know, yeah. I mean, how is he coming back? And he's like, well, it shouldn't have eaten him. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, this whole movie tries to teach you look little bit what happens when you're a dick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you get eaten by a giant squid, or you end up with little baby legs dangling under your chin. You know, so uh, I I don't know. I didn't I didn't have a problem with that. Um, and I meant to look him up, but I I loved the uh, the telepath, the actor who played Cheaty on The Good Place. Uh, he has a very small role, but it uh, was very funny. And again. It's an ant-man movie just like a guardians movie those are the funny ones you know those are the ones where you get to have kind of the wacky characters that uh, you know how many holes do you have questions like that those those don't work in some other movies you know but uh, well there's there's those kinds of movies where those questions work very well but that's not what I mean other MCU movies where those kind of questions would work so uh, yeah in general I felt like I was uh, I was fairly happy with uh, most of it I think uh, a big, question mark was did michael douglas realize he was in this movie if you ask him hey how many ant-man movies were you in would he say oh, i was in the first two but uh, they didn't film anything with me for the third one no no you're actually in it wait a minute i was and i think that uh, he actually has a really important role because that was my thought before he comes back with the ants as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, what is Michael uh, Michael Douglas doing here? You know, it's like he, he's he got to adjust his uh, his hearing aids. And, um, you know, I think it's important that uh, everybody was there. But uh, I, I think that uh, it's not even really a complaint. I was just like, they didn't really do that much with Hank.
0: What did you think, Jeff DeRay? Well, I mean, yeah, they we didn't really need him. I mean, yeah. You, you didn't like we said there was already the the movie was moving because i mean we don't really spend an, too much time with anybody but scott i mean there's the little bit of kang and janet but outside of that it's like we got to keep with scott and we got to keep the story going because one of the things i would say i really enj- or enjoyed about the old ones was his old little uh thievery crew right with uh mm-hmm. T.I. and Michael Peña and then they did get the the Machian kid he play or um he voices Veb the thing that turns into Kirby that they drink oh yeah That's <laughs> right yeah but other than that it's like you'd think if they had time to like get into other characters we would have gotten a little cameo with them I was disappointed we didn't get one of the post uh one of the after credit scenes with them but yeah. That would have been one thing I would have enjoyed because they were definitely the best, one of the brighter parts of the early Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Uh,
2: by the way, in the chat, uh, the delightful Lindby, who people would remember from the old Dennis Miller show. Lindby, I felt like you posted that you had a lot of questions and where uh, maybe it was just that you didn't like it. I'm not sure, but uh, I believe she brought her grandkids to it, uh, which, boy, the movies that I, I made. My poor grandmother, she really liked Back to the Future, but I'll tell you what she didn't like gremlins and labyrinth uh those are movies that were not for my grandma <laughs> so uh uh you know grandmas end up uh, seeing all kinds of things uh, <laughs> you know and i guess this is and i think that this is probably better for a grandmother than certainly labyrinth i, I don't even know if she knew who david bowie was but uh, i digress uh what did you think uh jeff williams about uh, you know michael douglas the amount of Stuff they gave him to do, really, you know. I mean, he—it's funny when he would pilot the ship, you know. But I mean, there—there there wasn't that much here for him.
3: Yeah, it is. Um, after seeing the movie, I understand why they said, "If you're in an Ant-Man four movie, what would you want to see happen?" And he said, "Um, for my character to die." He said on the red carpet, and I'm like, everybody's laughed, but I'm like, he wasn't in much of three, so like, yeah. I get it. Um, he played that like random. We still, we still need to beat King and out of nowhere, we have something that, that yeah. takes him out in that second. But like, even to that point, all right. To, to what my just state my statement? I feel like they, they kind of teased us with it so well. And I had no, I thought he just had hearing issues. I'm like, why is he messing with his ears? I yeah. did not think about the answer until, until that moment. And then like when they showed us the, him messing with his ear, i like, that makes so much sense.
2: Yeah. but no, like, that was actually a good reveal. Yeah. yeah I think, cool. uh, yeah. Uh, Well, uh, Lin B says, uh, I like the old guys. And what I'll tell you is that I like him in general. And I think he's great. I think he's been good in other movies, other Ant-Man movies, especially the first one. I just wanted him to have more. But what I will say is that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, to open the movie with her uh, kicking ass in, in a week where minor spoiler for season three of Star Trek Picard It starts off with Gates McFadden who played Dr. Crusher on the old show uh, in a firefight, basically on a ship. And I'm like, man, in the same week, you have women, let's just say of a certain age that uh, are showing you like, oh yeah, no, but we can obviously kick ass because we're, you know, we're space ladies, (laughs) you know? And I was just like, it's like, it's cool to see because you don't see that. You usually see people of a certain age walking around, checking their hearing aids (laughs) or, they, uh, they get all their girlfriends together to go see Tom Brady at the Super Bowl, you know? So I'm glad that Michelle Pfeiffer gets to be a little bit of, a, of an action hero. I mean, in, there, in her flashback, there's even the moment where she, you know, uh, activates the wasp suit. And you see her trying, uh, even without the suit, uh, in the quantum realm in the present day. So I think that uh, I like both of them. I was glad that we got so much of her. And I think it's just they somehow didn't have enough for Hank to do. And by the way, when does explain that she did like the movie, which is great. I'm glad. And I hope the grandkids liked it. And, uh, she went to a theater where they paid extra for those seats that vibrated in mm. sync. I've only seen a couple movies like that. And, I don't think I liked it. Have you guys ever been to the ones where the chair shake and stuff like that? Like, like I've gone yeah. at like the air and space museum in Washington. There's like IMAX, you know, movies where you're supposed to be experiencing like reentry, you know, in like a, the space shuttle. I'm like, that's fine. But an actual like narrative storytelling. I'm like, don't, don't shake my chair. I, I don't usually like it either. You guys like that sort of thing. Um,
0: so there's the the furniture store i've told you about the the sure. jordan's furniture they've got the imax and one of the things of course in their nice thick boston accents that they'll say in the previews is all your seats have butt kickers which means <laughs> there's like a base in the seat so you get like a little bit of extra rumble feeling like directly that's nice but i mean much more than that it's like i don't need my drink to spill on myself because a friggin' tyrannosaurus came on screen like yeah. no thanks only- your
2: seat has a built-in butt kicker and in the cup holder an endless supply of sam adams red lager yep but, uh, what about you uh jeff williams do you, do you want your uh seat shaking if you didn't like 3d i feel like you don't want to feel like you're on a roller coaster
3: yeah i um I, normally i wouldn't want my <laughs> want my chair shaking throughout the time but like if I did, if I had to pick a movie, it'd be like Fast and the Furious. I feel I need That's something fair. racing, something that you're kind of like moving a little bit, shaking, just getting the rumbles, but not like in a Marvel movie. You'd probably shake after everyone shoots something. So I think it could be kind of different levels of of the the vibration. But I feel like any racing movie would be a, would could be a cool one to watch.
2: Yeah, I could see. Yeah, you're you've come up with a scenario where like a racing movie would actually probably feel pretty cool. Uh, and by the way, going to see the 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 first you know public showing of ant man at 3 p.m on thursday uh you better believe that that crowd booed the fast x trailer <laughs> it was just like it was just like resounding and uh it was uh, it was wild. very funny because usually usually i get annoyed if people uh you know talk back or like chime in but because it was the trailers after the trailer ended this one guy was like don't worry it's the last one and everybody laughed so i was like all right that was okay um, but uh, they we're getting a lot of uh, attention for Janet um, Dominica Saxon. She kicked uh, Michelle Pfeiffer kicked ass in this movie. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is still stunning. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, and I think that uh, it, she was great. And I'm just like, I always wonder, like, how much more of them are we going to see? You know, uh, Evangeline Lilly you know, makes headlines because uh, <laughs> there's uh there was a, somebody had a tweet and I wish I could give them credit. I think I might've even taken a screenshot of it, but they said that uh, the best performance by Evangeline Lilly was in the beginning of this movie where she pretended that she was someone who believed in science. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, look, you, you deal with things like, uh, like that. And those are, those are headaches that uh, Feige doesn't necessarily want to have to deal with. And I mean, the thing is, these these Ant-Man movies are successful, but they're, you know, they're not, they're not Iron Man successful or Spider-Man successful. So you have to wonder like how many standalone Ant-Man movies starring Paul Rudd are they actually going to make, you know? Well, uh, it, Hang on, it was uh, somebody named Cody Derrick's on Twitter, Cody Monster ninety one. She's giving the performance of her life playing someone who believes in science. So I want to give credit. I, I I steal enough jokes where I don't remember, but I actually did a screenshot of that because I'm like, I know I'm going to mention it, and I want to give a credit to someone. And I'm sorry, who was trying to talk? Do you have to Ray? No, nope. no.
3: I think Definitely. I was just going to say, um, Evangeline Lilly. She she was either interviewed. She said it somewhere. About how she would love to see more of her character like because there's more st- uh, story storylines to tell and i'm like but like why i feel like that was a resounding answer on on twitter is like but who's asking for this other than the main actress who would be working mean, on the show? <laughs> first yeah. of
2: all are are you growing your hair back because that's a starting point for like let's go from there if the answer is yes Then we can entertain. Look, Jenna Van Dyne the Wasp, I mean, is such a you know, I mean, she's Hope Van Dyne but the Wasp character is such an important part of the Avengers for the entire run of the comic book. So, I think having Wasp at all is great but I could, look if they find a story for her I thought she was great on Lost. I don't feel like she hasn't done that much since then. I haven't seen her in anything really, you know but I feel like she's interesting enough. You want to give you want to give her a miniseries, I guess. You want to put that on Disney Plus. That's not at the top of my list. But I don't know that I need more of her. Let us know in the chat if, you, if you're if you itching for more hope. Um, early in our conversation, I referenced the fact that they recast the actress who played Cassie. And I don't mean they just recast the little girl. Uh, there was a, an adult Cassie in Endgame that was a different actress. And I think it... Is for the simple reason that we're going to see a lot of her because we've got this iteration of whether it's young Avengers or, uh, you know, whatever group they're putting together that includes, you know, if it's Thunderbolts, you know, that has Yelena, Yelena Black Widow and Kate Bishop Hawkeye, you know, and they probably just felt like we need somebody who we can run out there a lot, you know, and I think she did well enough in, uh, in, in the action scenes uh, to Jeff Williams's point when her and her dad were running. You now it looked like they were, they were uh, on the treadmill, but that's all right, it happens. But I thought, uh, I thought she was good. I mean, I don't think, I didn't walk away from this movie like, wow, Jonathan Majors was exceptional and Catherine Newton who played Cassie was right there below. No, I mean, I thought she was good. And I feel like the studio just sees something in that they want her to be in a lot of movies or TV shows coming forward. If they had had the same actress, and again, I don't mean the little girl, Uh, if they had the same actress from Endgame, I I don't think it would have really showed, but uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think her story with her dad is the little bit of heart that there actually is here, you know, Uh, she'd like, really kind of gives him a couple of gut punches early in the movie as a dad that uh, I was like, Oh man, they are going to talk to me that way. Aren't they? You know, it's like, well, at least I'm around, you know, things like that. And I, again, I'm not saying that in any way, she's bad. I just, uh, I, I just feel like she's fine. You know, uh, Jeff DeRay as our friend will would say it's fine. Um, but uh, you know, she's a, I feel like she's going to be an important character coming forward and that we're not going to see as much Paul Rudd. And maybe we're not going to and maybe there'll never be another Ant-Man movie. You know, it has nothing to do with the way that what the tomato mater says about this. You know, what do you think, uh, Jeff Williams, about the future of Pym Particles and the the Lang family and the Van Dyne's and I guess the Pims? It's all of them.
3: Yeah. The only way I could see us going back to the Pym Particle family is is on a, a TV show. I and it's going to be have it have to be around Cassie because they need to move forward with the MCU with these stories I can't see us talking anymore about Hank um, about I mean about any of the older characters but um I'm still i I think she was all right I think I think what kind of took me away from this was that she kind of played the same role the same uh, yes yeah, the same role as uh, Yelena in in um, the TV, I cannot think of that TV show and the uh, Hawkeye TV show. Yeah, she was in the, yeah, right. So and or uh, and I just I just felt like that was the same role. So I didn't I don't know how they're both gonna be. And, and I'm saying the wrong name. It's not Yelena. What is what is the girl's name in Hawkeye? Kate, Kate Bishop. Bishop. Kate Bishop. So like yeah. you know how they are they kind of act like they know a lot about what um the superhero world already at the beginning. They tell themselves or uh, they get um kind of kicked on their butt. And then they're going to be the next iteration of that. It kind of seemed like they both had the storyline, Kate Bishop and then um, the Ant-Man yeah, movie yeah. as well. So it was like, yeah. I I just saw a lot of similarities and I don't know how they're going to work together in a movie since they kind of same have the same background. I don't know. i yeah. sure they'll find a different way, but the same comedic sound, everything just felt the same to me. And that's why I wasn't like too excited.
2: Well, if they take all of these actresses and they uh, unearth the uh, script for the pilot uh, for uh, Fox Force 5, which is the fictional film that Marcellus Wallace's wife, played by Uma Thurman, was in in Pulp Fiction, uh, I would like to see that movie. I don't know how they... I know there's a long way to go. Uh, But uh, I don't... uh, I wonder uh, how they will do, you know, on the screen together. I think it'll be interesting. Daniel Drew, uh, always doing the homework and uh, has a good point. Uh, He says... The role of Cassie could have made Emma Furman's career. I assume, assume that's the actress from Endgame. They've trusted unknowns before, and they should have done that for Cassie. Look, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I think that in Endgame, she didn't have to do any fight scenes, and maybe they just felt like she wasn't the best choice for it. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know how many times on on iterations of this show uh, do we hear people talk about how Terrence Howard should have been roadie, uh, a point that I don't think I'll, uh, you know, he, I, I think that uh, we got just enough Terrence Howard as roadie. I don't think we need it anymore, but uh, you know, it's uh, he's, he's well suited towards uh, other roles, but uh, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see where the future of these characters are. Um, my one storytelling moment that I thought I would have liked, and let me know what you guys think I'll run this by everybody that uh, I'll be talking to uh, about Ant-Man. I thought that Hope and Scott were going to end up left in the quantum realm. Now, not forever. I think that that would have been a story to be told another time uh, that it just looked like she sacrificed being in the real world to save him, but also to, you know, to stop Kang. And she was willing to do that. And then like, you know, no, there wouldn't have been a movie of them in the quantum realm, but you could have I don't know, done a mini series, a comic book tie in. I'm like, that could have been interesting. And there's some stakes that were missing from the movie, you know, in that happening. Like, well, Cassie got back, Hope basically did the reverse of what her mother had done. You know, she sacrificed herself to go into the quantum realm, let her mom and her dad get out. And uh, I just, it just felt like a missed opportunity. I actually thought we were going to get that because there's like this split second where I'm like, Oh man, they're stuck there. And then it's like, it took Cassie like years to figure out how to draw a map of the quantum realm. But now it's like, she just basically did the old star 69 and return the call and uh, open the portal again. So uh, that was a moment that fell a little flat for me. What do you think Jeff DeRay? Would that, would that have, uh, would that have been good or is that just not the way Hollywood works and it needed to have a happier ending?
0: Yeah, it's exactly. It's a, it kind of goes back to the point I made before where it's a, it's a episodic, it's an episodic TV show, right? So we need to go back to stasis. Everybody's back home. Everything can go back to where it needs to be. There don't need to be, as big of stakes in terms of these immediate characters lives the biggest stakes that were changing are that kang the conqueror's gone and the other kang's noticed that's about it right uh it would have been much more interesting if she got stuck in the quantum realm with him because then again it's like we said like then we don't need to keep having uh, Ant-Man movies. And then this Ant-Man movie is more significant. And then like the character's actions are significant. It was just a kind of a lazy deus ex machina, like, and now you can come home and it doesn't even take me like a while to figure it out. I figured it out while you were having your fist fight and now come home.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they really seem to not want their movies to go much beyond two hours. But you could have had like a, a like some time lapse of like, boy, look at the crazy shit they got into down there in the quantum realm. But uh, instead, it's like, okay, yeah, there was like a moment of peril, but everything's okay. What do you think, Jeff Williams? Uh, is that something you would have liked?
3: Um. No. <laughs> because I actually think if they would have stayed in the in the um, quantum realm, I would have lo- walked out thinking. So we gotta watch the Ant Man four, because I don't want I don't, <laughs> want, very, I don't great, want them to point. come back and just say like I'm good, like bring bring them home. But to put that, that same point, I would like there have been greater stakes, so someone yeah. had died. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, uh, the- Cammie Higan
2: says I was expecting someone to remain in the quantum realm. I thought Janet and Hank. uh, You know, I mean that could have saved them some money for some expect expensive actors, I suppose. But uh sorry, finish your thought, Jeff.
3: I just think that like to raise the stakes, someone needed to to die or something. And that's yeah. that sounds that sounds dark. But like, if you leave in the, if you leave in the quantum realm, you have to go back, and there's still more to get it. If you if someone dies, there's still big stakes. There's still anger. There's still heart. But you're not going back to a, a Ant-Man four or something. There's no. I think it was a. It could have been more closed if there was someone that they had a death, and it would have been maybe more impactful. But um, leaving someone in the in the astral world, quantum realm. I'm good. I don't want well, to go back. Well, you just
2: made me realize what the biggest problem with that would be. The post-credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second one, Scott gets left in the quantum realm because everybody else gets dusted. So mm-hmm. then that would have been that would have been two movies in a row where Scott gets stuck in the quantum realm. So it's like, <laughs> oh, that's his thing, where uh, he always gets there. And look, them getting out and having the the dinner together, it does give that narration where he's like, "Yeah, but everything's good, right? We, was we did funny. the right thing, didn't we?" I'm like, okay, I I do like having that little punctuation mark on there. And, uh, you know, just as we've referenced, you know, teasing the, the future Kangs and, uh, you know, what will the one show we know we will see sometime this year uh, being Loki. Uh, there's a, a lot more Ant-Man conversation to have, a lot more quantum mania mania uh, but uh before we move on jeff ray i want to make sure that uh have we have we gotten to uh all of the main points you had or was there something that uh you wanted to make sure to get to before we uh close the book on this part of our conversation
0: No, I mean, in terms of this movie, I think we've hit it all. I think one thing where we were just bringing up the is now sticking in my head of just like how much we're telling the same story over and over again. Right. Like and then there's a young woman and she's going to learn how to become the hero that this other person was the hero for. And then we'll replace him or her.
3: That was like all of phase four. (laughs) It's like um, introducing new characters, but in the same exact way. But, you know, there were some great products.
2: Uh, by the way, ghost 8386 says that ending where they get stuck in the quantum realm within the original plot leak, it felt like there was a draft of that of this story where it could have ended there. I didn't it didn't feel like they shot it that way and then everything else was additional photography. but there's times where you just feel like uh, some in some draft you can feel like this thread went in that direction jeff williams i wanted to give you an opportunity to let people know about uh, an exciting venture that you've started it's not just uh, looking at homes that you one day hope to be able to buy uh but uh take a moment and tell everybody about the uh, interview show that you're doing
3: i appreciate that um yeah one thing i am doing i'm just i just started is the create your opportunity podcast where i interview different people who i believe are real difference makers in their prospective industries so the first the first one has been a um, YouTuber and, and um, rapper who rapper turned YouTuber who does a bunch of shoe influences uh, videos and also has interviewed everyone from Michael Jordan to to Kobe Bryant. So he was a great interview. I learned a lot about him. I was actually I've actually been friends with him from years. And then the second interview that just came out this past Friday is with the point guard from the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he's been to the G League, been through um, different teams, getting cut and stuff. So like. There's been a road to his journey to the NBA, so it was great to learn about that. And he's from California, so there's a lot of um, homegrown basketball players in his in his um, in his area. So it was just it was just great to to hear his story as well. But the emphasis about is just learning different stories, figuring out how the audience, myself, and how people can create opportunities for themselves. And that's um, just what the emphasis of the the whole interview process is. And then with real estate, it's like I want to create opportunities for myself, obviously when I'm when I'm getting um, buying houses, but when I'm working with clients and everything, how can I show people that these opportunities are open to them as well? How financially um, or career wise or just residentially, how can we create opportunities? So I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. And uh, we mentioned that you can be found at Jeff Will Jr. uh, to find the podcast. Uh, Where do people go to do that?
3: Yeah. So it's at Jeff Will Jr. on all social media platforms. Even YouTube and um you can just look up the Create Your Opportunity podcast. It's on the full episodes are on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Music.
2: Jeff Deray, not only is he not on Twitter, he's not on Instagram, he just doesn't want you to find him. But he's on the blackcast regularly enough. So you can mm-hmm. find him there. If you have comments for Jeff DeRay, you send them to me and I'll share them. Uh Especially I'll if share they're them. mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the meaner the better, please. If they're mean, can you please send them as a song? I mean, just imagine if somebody writes a mean song about you, Jeff. That you would right? actually be amazing. I would mm-hmm. really appreciate that. So that's the homework for everyone. Can you do a Jeff write diss track, basically? <laughs> I want somebody to go out there and do it. Um, I'll see if I can reach out to Shareable Texas, who did the Blackcast, the Listen into Blackcast theme song. Uh, in any case, uh, it's uh, fun to have new Marvel movies to talk about. And I'm okay with anybody who doesn't like them. Nobody has to defend why they don't like them. just explain why you don't like them. tell me what it is that you didn't like a lot of times somebody will tell me something about a movie and I'm like yeah you know what I didn't like that either it didn't ruin the movie for me, but very rarely will you talk to somebody and then like why they hate a movie you're like okay they're just crazy they like didn't see the same but it happens. But usually it's like, yeah, yeah, that thing that thing probably wasn't. I
0: think my thing. favorite was when I got unsolicited. I was standing outside a, a convenience store in LA. This was after the DC Joker movie had come out. Some guy just came up to me. He's like, the Joker movie was terrible, right? I was like, oh, uh, okay. He's like, yeah, just like white incels. And, just, and I was oh. like sure right i just like i was i'm not gonna engage so i was like yeah okay you just like completely unsolicited i didn't even make eye contact the guy just came in to be like we hate that movie don't we like, he needed what a what friend we do Yep. Yeah. he de- <laughs> yeah he
2: definitely needed a friend and you know somebody that does that whatever it is if they bring that energy to you you want to agree with whatever they're saying mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you're like yeah I'm, I'm not gonna uh disagree with anything we continue our conversation now on Quantum Mania, Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantum Mania with one, the only Count Eric Connor. Big picture overall thoughts on Quantum Mania, sir? Yeah,
5: big picture is, uh, well, it was big. I mean, it, it, Ant-Man. One thing I've always enjoyed about the Ant-Man stories from the other incarnations we've had in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like Ant-Man always felt a little more like kind of LK, low key, right? a little more accessible, a little more like not necessarily the fate of the universe rested in his tiny little hands. And then all of a sudden this one's like, yeah, no, we're going to go, go big and we're going to go home. And on that end, I, I, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm happy. I liked it far more than uh, the the critics would make me think I was going to like it. And uh, you know, I think it helps when you have that cast because we'll get into the weeds on the story, but I think that cast sort of takes you past some moments that lesser actors would make you stop and be like, wait, huh? But they're so interesting, the the five leads, that it's like I'm with them, you know, wherever they take me. So uh, so overall, big picture, I was happy. Uh, this Modoc and I, you know, feel like they, they definitely did justice to... Uh, to the Ant-Man tale and to MODOK's uh, introduction, but uh, there's some issues, but we'll get into that. Well,
2: that's a great place to start though. If uh, do you, how do you feel that MODOK was handled? Because uh, my earlier conversation with the two Jeffs was uh, neither one of them was uh, particularly happy. And I know in general people feel like MODOK was wronged to me it's kind of a silly character. I think that our pal Jordan Bloom's version for Hulu was a pretty spot on best MODOK was ever going to be. Uh, it's kind of a silly thing, but I can understand some of the criticisms of it, but what were your thoughts on MODOK?
5: I, I think that's fair to say. Was it wrong? Probably. Just reminder of what we're talking about when we talk about MODOK. MODOK's got a very strangely large head, <laughs> no body, no neck, and just legs. So once you've decided to include Modoc, you kind of have to come at it with a little bit of a a, a, a nudge and a wink. Well, otherwise... by the way, that
2: description I believe was uh, on February eighth, nineteen seventy six. What my dad said when he used the payphone uh, in the waiting room at uh, at Arden Hill Hospital in Goshen, New York, to let the extended family know that there was a new boy, and uh, it was an overly large head little dangly legs and probably designed only for killing by the way before we finish that thought also designed only for killing
5: uh, Uh, ah yeah modoc of all uh i love that
4: that was um our good friend from the first movie but uh apart from the
0: yeah
4: that that blew my mind Uh, I'm so sorry, you guys. Uh, We were playing Hogwarts Legacy and got totally sidetracked and I completely lost track of time. I
2: apologize. (laughs) We were only five minutes away from the part where we would start badmouthing our pal... El Sassy Pants herself, Katie Hampton. Katie, thank you. Since we're talking Modoc, what are your thoughts, Katie?
4: I had heard that Modoc was probably going to be in this movie. I didn't know about who was going to be playing him. Um, I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to get Patton Oswalt for this. But like, no connection in my mind that that would be a possibility. And and then when it showed up and it was him and it was his face with Corey Stoll, I could not stop laughing. I was cracking up at that. Here's the thing is that with the comics, I didn't read too much of the comics. I know a lot of the properties just because of the movies and the films and the TV shows, um, especially because of Fat and Oswald. So I don't know a whole lot about this character, but I do know that it's like, that's not the original connection to characters, is it?
2: No, no. I mean, it's uh, advanced idea mechanics whom we only have really ever seen him passing on the screen. Uh, you know, he's sort of like basically the the leader uh you know there's more to it but i think it's all right i don't think it's a character we need to have reverence for at some point it was before the screening so i don't know that it was an actual spoiler i heard that uh that might be uh darren is his character's name is Modoc. and uh so i because i definitely had it in my head that it might be him uh which i don't think i would have thought of that on my own i you know i didn't really remember that that character and his existed. arc ended by being sent into the quantum realm the one criticism is that being him isn't so much the problem is that i think a lot of people were just maybe just weirded out by the giant Corey stall face you know
5: <laughs> and i love that they they made that stylized choice not to go photorealistic to make his face look all sorts of effed up and the great running joke where every time someone new saw him, they're like, oh, my God, what the hell? Yeah. And, and his death scene might be the most I've laughed at a movie since, I don't know, before COVID. Like him like spitting <laughs> up and like, yeah. like, I lost it. I lo- Sorry for the joke. I lost my mind on that. There- I was
4: laughing so hard, but I cannot stand when any kind of like vomit or vomit <laughs> assumption is on screen. Like it just drives me crazy. So when that was happening, I was like, oh God, this is hilarious, but stop it, please.
2: It's funny because what I was going to say is it's it's like a, a microcosm of a, a scene that I'm going to assume uh, Katie would not enjoy. John Cleese is the fat man at, at dinner in uh, yeah. Monty Python, uh, Meaning of Life. It is just wafer thin and just there's like extra vomit, just a little bit. I thought that uh, also, like you were like a brother to me. Like what? And <laughs> yeah. I died in Avenger, and and Scott's no, like, just like, oh, oh he's sure. like, oh, sure, okay. you know,
1: <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah,
2: I thought that that was, you know, and it's kind of funny. He just sees himself as way more important than he actually is. It didn't bother me. I think that uh, the face, I don't know, maybe they could have rendered the effect a little differently. But- I think not know was the
5: point, though, right? It's like, no, let's make it look like, uh, I don't know, the, the early CG work in video games yeah. from uh, the turn of the 2000s.
2: Right. Yes. If this was this was like a Capcom M.O.D.O.K. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. The- <laughs> right. Right.
5: Right. <laughs> Or maybe Uh, they just ran out of budget. Maybe that was because I don't know if the
4: whole entire set pieces were all in another world in CG land. I mean, I'm sure that entire time of filming was just all green screen sets. you know it had to be.
5: And I really noticed how many different uh, like post houses were used. Mm. Like, and that's not normally something. Honestly, I pay as much attention to, but like, I really it was a lot. So they were like farming out stuff left and right. So you almost feel like with MODOK, they're like. Hey, you, uh, Cousin Luke, what do you think? Uh, you think you can handle this you, on your iMovie? Oh, sure thing. Thanks for the chance. And then they just gave it to Cousin Luke, and lo and behold, Corey's still looking like uh, he's a, in a, a version he, of Mortal Kombat?
2: He, right. I mean, like, if you were to really will shrink down and micro analyze the credits you would probably see like Modoc unit you know I mean there there's probably somebody who was on that so Katie since you have presented us with a tardy slip I will uh, <laughs> allow you to circle back and let us know uh just sort of big picture what you thought I know you you actually texted me after you I saw did. it because this is one of those things when I saw the movie last Monday I wasn't sitting there start with the knowledge that it was like, not quite, but almost split down the middle as to people who liked it and didn't. What were your thoughts though? You know, I mean, I didn't think that this was going to be such a divisive film, but uh, I wasn't expecting that.
4: Yeah. I wasn't expecting that either. I, I honestly thought it should have been this kind of reaction, but for, multiverse of madness personally but um like leading up to it i was like oh gosh like i didn't see anything in the trailer that indicated that this was going to be like so horrible so i was i was going in with like caution knowing that there was all this like and i saw a couple of articles that i didn't want to read because of spoiler potential spoilers but there were some things that were like really like knocking they're like wow it's like so bad and like it's worse than the eternals and i was like Hold on. <laughs> that's not that, that's not possible. I don't think with a Paul with Paul Rudd in a movie, I don't think you can be that possible.
5: Halloween Six. <laughs> that will change your opinion about that's not a, just this movie but life. That's a fair point. Fair. Okay. But, I, but I digress. Apologies, Katie. I just had to make sure. Yeah. Well even Paul Rudd is human.
4: I really enjoyed this. I thought that this was uh, a fun film. I had no idea what the critics were talking about. I Was it the most amazing Marvel movie we've seen? no was it the most terrible marvel movie we've seen no but what i was texting with christian after the show after i watched it i was like no but this feels like the same kind of marvel that we started with where they didn't assume that i knew all the comics back to front um but they still told me a good story that had i just dropped in to watch this movie I would understand the goals. I would understand where they're going with, you know, maybe some of the bigger picture things painted it more like having known all the different knowledge of the, all the different movies and the shows and Loki and all of that may have like painted like more knowledge into that for me. But like, it it just felt like one of those movies that I could show a friend just to be like, Hey, this is a fun movie. And a lot of the recent Marvel movies, I feel like we just haven't been seeing it that way.
2: There's this moment in time where, Endgame happens, and it's such a big epic, you know, redefining of the genre almost. And then, Spider Man No Way Home is another, you know, these really stand out, and it's like it's really unfair to all the movies in between. It's like, well, why don't you compare this to another three? Why don't you compare this to Iron Man 3, Thor Mm. 2. Thor four, Thor three is not fair, you know. <laughs> uh, and then it, you know, you just start to think about it in terms of other sequels, other follow ups. And honestly, I liked it better than Ant Man two, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'm not even saying I didn't like that. I'm just saying I liked this more. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
5: absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, Katie, one thing you were saying that, um, you know, about kind of like being dropped in, and if you're just dropped in, you watch this one story, can you put it together? I, I think one, it's sort of bone I'd pick with this film on that end is I found like the characters early on a lot of their decision making didn't really make much sense I, I, I told my wife afterwards to like, go listen honey if I'm ever sent to the quantum realm and I spent 30 <laughs> years there um, I may cheat on you with Bill Murray but she was cool with that <laughs> uh, But but also like I don't know I probably would have told her at some point some of the shit I went through because I don't know she's my wife to my partner, and and the by the idea- way, just to interject, my wife yeah.
2: knows that uh, I may indeed cheat on with her, Bill Murray, if I'm ever in a room with Bill Murray. Again. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's-, it's an understanding. But yeah. but
5: I, I I extend the same thing to her though. She's welcome.
2: Even like other Murrays. Like no, you got the same thing. laminated card. It, is what it's you're actually doing. this weird thing from my wife. It's Brian Doyle Murray. So yeah. you know, it's close. <laughs> Wait, but...
5: not Joel Murray, the star of Moving no. Violations? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was <swear laughs> worried I wasn't going to be able to bring up that movie and and organically. And I think I did. No, uh, you, but... yeah, I bet I, I bet, I bet show, you you but... couldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see the hand of the puppeteer there. Um, but yeah. but in the end of it and, all, I think like where and this has been an issue honestly with this most recent phase i think a lot of the storytelling hinges on characters making decisions that are just kind of strange at best silly in the middle and just idiotic at worst and for considering marvel's strength as a comic series was always like really relatable characters this is a trend I'm, i'm i'm less than keen about and i hope they course correct a bit with, uh, it, with the next Guardians and with the Marvels, because I feel like a few movies in a row now seem to hinge on characters making really odd choices that were there just to kind of move a story along in a way that didn't feel particularly believable. And I know this is a movie featuring a big-headed monster and lots of bizarre creatures and all that, but at least the humans you kind of need to be able to get where they're coming from or else... Then it becomes weird on top of weird on top of weird without a grounding.
2: Well, what do you think are particularly, I don't even want to say egregious, but what are the, the decisions just off the top of your head? A couple that really are like, why did, you know, why? It, it, and I agree, by the way, we talked about this a, a little while ago, that uh, at some point, Janet should have at the very least told Hank. You don't have to talk to Hope about it. You definitely don't have to talk to Scott about it. I mean, you know, he's just a a guy who... He's barely, like, in your life, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. right, exactly. Well, And Hank, too, on that end,
5: like, something so terrible happened there that she won't talk about it at all, so I have an idea. I'm going to go visit, you know? And that's the stuff where it, it just... Breaks it down there's, a, well. there's a severe lack of logic and this gets back to stuff we brought up even with doctor strange in the, in the multiverse like you already have loki which at the end of loki sort of kind of pulled the genie out of the bottle and i feel like they had and i understand they're trying to keep the films and tv sort of separate although the uh, end credit scene might make you think otherwise but it feels like that's a pretty solid explanation for a lot of weird shit going on is the end of loki and yet instead we have two movies in a row, row now hinged on characters making really stupid choices that cause all these problems and a fair amount of death so right. that's something i just well, feels I, unnecessary yeah and i do Sorry. i
4: do think that it relied less on the plot of loki than multiverse of madness did on wandavision because you really had to know where it came from in order to realize that the story kind of repeated itself and she learned a different lesson in a way um whereas with this it's still a so like you didn't need to know about what loki was doing like you, it you didn't have to have a disney plus subscription in order to go see this movie as a prerequisite which was one of those things that like with uh multiverse madness it just drove me crazy that that was like pre-required reading. but with with this it, it felt like we get those teasers like that, like having known those TV shows and having seen those movies and all that stuff and having that background knowledge was cool. And it painted the picture for me in a wider scope, but this movie itself just kind of relied on the story that we were telling in the moment and what was happening in this timeline, in this universe. And that felt like original Marvel to me where I didn't have to know what was happening when i when we see thor's hammer you know at some point and having not known who thor was before seeing that movie but yeah uh,
2: i want to uh, bring in a few comments from the chat uh larry says i like quantum mania it had strong porky and wacky land energy and that is <laughs> totally. not a title for what it sounds like it's <laughs> no. not a spin-off <laughs> of the porkies uh, you know i think R-rated i saw that I saw that in
5: Eighth Avenue
2: many that, years ago, back in the early '90s. No, that no, that was Wacky in Porkland. That's a totally there it is. Right. movie. Yeah, you're right. right. You're right. Wacky in uh,
4: Porkland. Okay.
2: <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, it's a, sort of that wacky, you know, wacky <laughs> universe. The the uh, in that genre, I guess the like duck amuck muck. Uh, you can think about that. Uh, Larry also adds, it fell apart a bit at the end, but I don't know why the critics are saying it's so bad because that's what the critics do. I mean, that's what their their whole thing is is to talk about how smart they are about how terrible <laughs> everything is. And remember, this is a genre that they hated for a very long time and oh, never back really to doing stopped. It. Yeah. yeah, they're they're just getting back to it. They're like, "Oh good, I'm glad that uh, the fact that I enjoyed, you know, Endgame hasn't uh, ruined me." You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> these movies, I don't know. It's a lot like reading comic books. It's, yeah, you know, it, it's uh, not everything is uh, God Loves, Man Kills. All right. Not everything is Craven's Last Hunt, the Spider six-part Spider-Man story. Not everything is like epic and, you know, not everything's The Dark Knight. Sometimes it's just a story about a, the dude who talks to ants who we all like, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, people who feel a little bit let down by it, because probably they wanted more, you know? I, okay, that's fine. You know, there there are some people that I follow. It kind of surprised me that yeah, you don't have to love it, but people who didn't like it. I'm like, oh, this seemed like somebody I thought would like it. I think it's fine. It's it was fine. nice to
4: not be completely emotionally ripped apart like an episode of this is us but movie length you right. know it was nice that not everything was torn from our souls that we liked no. you know and, like <laughs> and,
2: and look how much crying there is in the trailer for guardians of the galaxy volume three which is i think that one's not gonna, gonna be prepared for it. yeah i, yeah. So yeah. Like, I be need rough. a
4: light breather before yeah. we go into that like that is, well, let's I, have a
2: classic ant-man adventure i was
4: shocked i mean of how light it ended up being. I don't know how far into details we are giving,
2: but we are definitely talking all the spoilers.
4: I, I was surprised that no one died. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, we've got Kang, the conqueror, like true blue, <laughs> purple Kang, the conqueror um, coming down and just talking about all that he has done. And, you know, and like seeing the depth of it, like not what I, I, <laughs> the part that did make me cry and it was mostly just because it was symbolic i feel like was towards the end when i was sure scott was alone um they had all gone through the portal he had knocked him out of the way so ken couldn't get through and i was like scott's not gonna win this fight like he he can't and i was like awesome and then hope comes back and just saying that sentence out loud still gets me misty, but like, literal. And like, and Hope was kind of like the superhero of this movie with the smallest arc because she saved him in almost every single circumstance. She was a little bit dosic smack, you know, or something like that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, like her coming back through the portal to like help him against fucking Kang. Um, it really got me emotional and that was the one part that i did cry because i was like oh my god and then he survived wow
5: yeah, and they, and their moment together right after that too was really i mean it was like yeah it actually had some legit emotion and the i love you's like it really uh I, I was kind of glad they let that moment breathe because yeah. it seemed like they were going to be stuck there then of course it's like, no, nope, boop, 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 well, I was
2: talking uh, earlier and I kind of talked myself out of it. I was a little disappointed that they didn't make the decision to leave them there. And obviously they weren't going to be left there forever. Next time they needed them in a movie, they'd figure it out. But then I did realize, well, the second one ended with him getting trapped in the quantum realm. You know, right, because right, everybody right. got dusted. So then I was like, oh, maybe they can't do that. And everyone. But That's what I was you thinking, really yeah. felt like they were building to that. Daniel drew as always with a great question. Uh, do we think that the reshuffling of phase fours or order because of the pandemic really made some of these stories and plot weirdness changes happen? Mm-hmm. Like, are we still recovering MCU plot wise? i don't think we are at this point i feel Um, like
4: the final edits happened around 2020 just for the scripts that blue copy may have come in (laughs) right when they were filming or something because there's some dark theme there's been a lot of dark themes in the mcu and it makes sense but it's just it's been overwhelming
5: and this is why i really love this movie that i was like okay (laughs) i can
4: breathe a little
5: I don't think these last couple of movies would have been as affected by the reshuffling that, like, hit, like, the um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier show, sure. or really, I mean, the one that got hit so much with it was um, uh, WandaVision, where, I mean, there was yeah. such huge, I mean, we talked about it here, there's such huge changes to that, yeah. and, I mean, literally, like character Kat Dennings like disappears, you know, from that show. And yeah, you know, so that one seemed to really I feel like that's the year that really everything took the brunt of it.
2: Yeah, I think we're far enough removed that I I don't think we have to worry about it. Let's spend a moment uh, talking about uh, Cassie Lang in this film. And, uh, you know, they uh, we talked a little bit earlier about the decision to uh, recast the actress who had played her and end game, because clearly this is a character we're going to see again she's got a suit for a reason you know i yeah. i assume we're going to probably see a lot more of her and you know maybe some less of uh, paul rudd and definitely everybody else uh so you know i think that they have plans for her but uh let me ask you first katie what did you think of uh this iteration of cassie the the one who uh understands the the tap punch method eventually right <laughs> eventually
4: yeah i i was bummed for the actress that originally played uh the daughter I, you know like that would have been really great great and cool i even heard a rumor that she was going to be back in some capacity and i was thinking some sort of like variant version of scott was going to be this but oh, I don't interesting.
2: Know. okay yeah, yeah but
4: this version of cassie i thought she was fantastic i thought she was a really great actress i'm excited for her future in the mcu and especially if like she gets into any team ups or anything like that some of the more recent young recruits or uh young marvels if you will i feel like are really cool and like i'm really enjoying seeing what like might come out of them in the future and she definitely sold it for me in this movie um i thought her sass was great i loved her opening scene um I don't know. I'm dying Diane Liberal over here.
6: So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh,
2: I Ivan Soda loved her in the movie and was caught off guard that she calls Hank grandpa. I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, essentially, you know, it's it's not literally, you know, they give her a couple of uh good moments of really, you know, sticking it to her dad and yeah. laying in. But in general, she's she's not I don't know. We've seen characters sort of like that, you know, and uh, I think that she loves her dad and uh, she also feels like she's just disappointed that he's not doing more, you know, and by that, I don't mean, you know, doing a great, a bigger book tour, but instead, you know, that he's not, he's not ant Manning so much. He's not doing so much avenging. So she's decided to do some avenging of her own. And uh, yeah, I think that uh, it will be interesting to see more of her, whether it's with uh, Kamala or Kate Bishop or Yelena or whoever it might be. Uh, What are your specific thoughts, Eric, about uh, Cassie in this movie?
5: I mean, I feel like you just ran down a list of what would be a really terrific young Avengers that's really female led you know wow. i think and it wouldn't feel like the i don't know that moment in end game that some people bumped up against so it's like here's all the actresses look they're all in one shot right yeah you know yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it feels like organically they've set up now a half dozen really interesting 20 something and younger female characters that i think sure, yeah. would make a terrific team so mm-hmm. I, I do hope you know and again we'll see where they land with this all in secret wars (laughs) and yeah she was great and i think uh, i i realized she was in freaky which if you haven't seen that i have not seen that that's a really fun that's the one it's like uh,
2: a horror film but freaky friday where the killer and uh, oh uh, my god yes yeah yeah i actually yeah yeah, i remember now that i wanted to see that so and her name's Catherine newton by the way uh, yeah yeah she was great in that let's give her credit yeah
5: and i think you know to their credit too she hit the ground running you know like right when we like you were saying katie when we first met her like you're already like oh she's interesting and i i do feel bad for that previous actress who in her brief time on screen seemed quite good but but i like that there was a nice echo here of what they did in um in in uh endgame Mm -hmm. that tony was sort of like okay i sort of got my happily ever after like i kind of don't want to rock the boat and then realizing of course well there's a lot of people who won't get their happily ever afters if you don't act, you know, if you don't do something. So I think that was an, a nice echo of that plot line. And yeah, the stuff with the book, by the way, they got so much comedic mileage out of that.
2: Uh, let's uh, talk a little bit about Hank in this movie. And uh, I was a little bit critical in that I felt like they could have done more with him. Uh, what, did, what did you think, Eric, about Gordon Gecko in this movie? <laughs> Listen, ants are good. Ants work.
5: Ants <laughs> cut right through and then catches the essence of the evolutionary spirit. And in all its form, the worker ant, the queen ant. or I, I don't know if they're queen ants. Anywho, listen, you have Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, and you could always use more of them. I mean, that's a, that's a thing. That's like a default setting. They're both two of the great actors of their generation. Anytime you see them on screen, they're going to make the scene better. Uh, that's just what they do. And that moment of him showing up at the end, walking like a boss with all the ants was maybe the best shot of the whole film for me, except for the vomiting, uh, you know, Uh, (laughs) Modoc. And which I now like more, knowing it almost made Katie sick as well. Uh, (laughs) You know, the the logic stuff aside, he wasn't given that much, but everything he was given, he he nails. That great line, and I I know it was in the trail, like I, I dated some women, but none of them were you like yeah that was a genuinely it's yeah cheesy sure but he but that's he a made me believe it right that w-
4: that like w- made me like grab the popcorn i was just like yes oh, yeah, <laughs> and i have to yeah. i have to also say that like this was an important movie for me because this is the first movie i've seen in m- literal like half a year because of like my knee and everything and all the acl repair this is the first time back in the movie theater and like trusting myself oh yeah eric it. you
2: probably didn't know that uh, no? katie's halfway to becoming Modoc. actually the reconstruction <laughs> that she's going she's more on, machine yeah. than
5: than woman twist, then, twist yeah. and
2: evil she has become mm-hmm.
5: I'm actually but we more can, but cadaver than
2: yeah, but we oh. can rebuild her. Yes.
4: Oh, and has been rebuilt, but like it was like the first time that I was like sitting and like comfortable and like in a movie theater, but and like it, I just had that like little kid feeling with like a story where the good guys kind of win in the end, you know? Like it was just such a kid moment for me, uh, with how great and light this movie. Was. And, and sorry, I know we're talking about Hank, but. Michelle Pfeiffer can still get it. Are we kidding? Michelle Pfeiffer can still get it. And I don't know how she even got there to begin with.
2: I think that they really utilized the fact that they had her kind of for the first time. You know, I mean, she really hasn't done a lot in any of these movies. I mean, you've seen her before, but this time they really got a lot out of the fact that, you know, she's Janet Van Dyne. She's the Wasp. I was very happy with her. And look, I just wanted a little bit more out of Hank. The one thing that stands out that even people who don't like the movie, are like yeah but Jonathan Majors is fantastic.
4: Jonathan Majors was incredible in this. Movie. I mean yeah. if you hadn't seen him before um you have to see him in everything he does whether it be um the uh the the, the, the Lovecraft Country yeah, Lovecraft yeah. Country or um in the end of Loki spoilers again I guess sorry. Yeah he's but- in, the,
5: uh, in in the, the Five Bloods the um Yes. uh spike lee movie yeah this guy like went from he's grad school so
2: good.
5: and it, it's like a, a baseball player basically skipping the minor leagues and going right yeah. to the majors uh okay. last black man in san francisco i mean this guy he and he i mean what's incredible by the way katie it's like he's got this and then he has creed he has this yeah. indie movie where he plays a bodybuilder yeah uh, and I so mean- he's he's popping everywhere
4: we just need you know a couple more like i'm excited for creed 3 just because he's finally got that shirt off but um apart from that like he's just he's one of the most <laughs> you know uh, he's one of the most interesting actors out there and i love i'm like as soon as i saw him on screen i was like you know i don't think we're gonna see the last of oscars for marvel films because i really do think that this mm-hmm. performance should be nominated at very least for the next year of uh, the Oscars, because he played it so sweetly because we have, the last time we saw him, we saw him in Loki and he was that, um, he who remains.
5: Yeah, and he was like off his rocker. I mean, he was like
4: like a character in a Shakespeare play. Like he was just so exuberant and crazy. And then and then to see him as like, you know, the more serious, toned down, like very controlled character who also seemed glassy eyed for like the first couple of times that he was talking to people like like the kind of emperor that you listen to, you lean in close and listen to, which is why I think like that is more terrifying than anything other than a tyrant tyrant is scary but then when you have a controlled very calculated like very soft-spoken like emperor that's fucking terrifying
5: well and and one of the best scenes i thought for him was actually the quietest scene it was him early on with michelle pfeiffer when they're both stuck and they they're like who knows is it years that they've been together and it was like both of them underplaying it he's not and i think it was so smart he's not playing the end of the script Mm-mm. sometimes vill- actors who play villains see kind of forget about that it's like characters they gotta see get where there. they go
4: yeah and, and and
5: so he was really like a very soulful there, and very gen- like kind of a lost you know a lost creature who found an, a, a connection
4: Enough to make me even think, like, I truly believe, like, maybe he's a variant and another king comes to conquer yeah, over yeah, him. Yeah. Like, I, th- I had a slight thought of that. Like, maybe this isn't, like, King the Conqueror. This is just a different version of King. But no, yeah. that was well, the Conqueror. My, but, and that was but
2: see, my thinking was that he who remains also kind of makes the same point. He's like, no, 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 I'm the good one. You shouldn't stop me. Right, right, and so right. then he kind of does this. And I'm like, my takeaway is that they're all the bad one. They're just oh, yeah. bad in different ways. So oh, yeah. I, I don't I don't think that you know we would have been any better off with him trying to stop everybody else. You know, they're but all they, motivated by the same. They want to be the one who remains. They want to be the last Kang standing right. which Sounds like a great movie, actually. Last
5: and they stand. found an actor who can play so many different characters yes. too. I mean, I think even that brief glimpse of him in the other uh, variants, I, I think, yeah, as, a, as a Mortis shows.
2: and Ramatat. yeah, yeah. Um,
4: yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh! And those the voice variations—that was a voice that I thought Voldemort was going to sound like. Yeah, honestly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, then,
5: Daniel's totally right. We're we're going to get a lot of him, and not just one character.
4: And what a smart decision to make to hire Jonathan Majors for all those variations, because yeah, yeah. he's got so much left in him and it's just, I'm, I'm so excited to see what we're going to see out of him in the next couple of performances.
5: And if I can put a little rain on our parade of love, uh, it, the one thing is I wish it gave us a little bit more like, uh, it, almost like we catch up to the context of why he wants to do all these things. But since we we haven't seen him with the other variants, it was a little hard to feel completely to really connect with his his thirst for revenge. That mm-hmm. was a, even though I understood in theory he was stranded and left to die, kind of like a con from Star Trek II, I, I still think that it, it his logic for causing so much destruction, not fully clicking for me just yet as an audience member. I I, I do hope in the future ones we get more of a sense of kind of on a very sort of basic level like why he feels so wrong like why they felt like this guy you know all of them seemed a little nutty what was it about him that made him so much more dangerous than any other uh, member of the council of uh, I did not I to call it the council of Ricks but the <laughs> council of Kangs right because I, yes. I think we kind of need that I think that's a, a thing that ho- I'm sure we'll get more of soon sure
4: sure i I think uh, like going back to christian's point i think like because they all end up being bad it's just what version of bad are you and that is fascinating to see like that i mean that's true multiversal logic in a way (laughs)
2: let's uh let's talk a little bit about what we got out of Scott in this movie. This is the Ant-Man movie, and we haven't talked nearly enough about Hmm. Ant-Man. What are uh, some of your thoughts for what we got to see out of the titular, well, one of the two titular characters, uh, Katie, about uh, Scott Lang?
4: Again, I do really love his arc uh, in this. (laughs) You got me on, you're just going to get a love fest uh, for this movie. But yeah, I thought Paul Rudd was... Fantastic in his delivery. I love the opening. Um, I forget the song, but it was so perfectly welcome
2: back. It's the theme it's from
5: Welcome Back Potter.
2: Potter.
4: And it's not the first time that Scott has had some sort of like sitcom as like a song that he's walking to or he's like jamming out to. Um, I think he had a Partridge Family song at some point as well. Um, I, I can't remember fully, but I. Um, loved how he went from the guy who's getting all the attention for all of his good deeds and working with the Avengers and like kind of getting his laurels from that and like that that's just the world he's in now he's just that sort of washed up actor in a way (laughs) that's just kind of going to conventions and things like that and just making his money off of those things but then cassie comes in and is like you know there's other people to save. like you did that once what are you doing with your life now and i love that that she poses that question for him right before and this this movie clips pretty quickly along especially in the beginning like they get into the quantum realm pretty fast um so yeah i loved and i loved where scott ends up in the end where he basically does find like his mission is always to save Cassie, always protect Cassie, but he also finally has some kind of drive to protect others, which I think is a really cool thing.
2: Yeah, let me uh, run through some of these. uh, Again, all things dope. I liked the father-daughter aspect of this movie. Some of my favorite, especially after all the time we missed due to the blip, you know, having the extra birthday. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ivan Soto, Cassie and Scott together was my favorite part. But uh, Cammy Egan was waiting for Barbarino to stop him on the street. Uh, (laughs) If they had figured out a way to bring in John Travolta's Jigsaw from the uh, Punisher movie uh, during that song. Uh, it would. <laughs> I mean, heads I'm would have sure. exploded. Modoc heads uh, <laughs> would would have definitely uh, exploded. Um, yeah, I, and uh, Eric, uh, I I, I want to make sure to give you a chance to sing the praises of uh, of of Scott Lang as well. I think it's like Paul Rudd brings such a different energy
5: than like Robert Downey, and yet I mean, completely owns this role. Owned it really from. From the trailer, the first time we saw him in a trailer for Ant Man 1 already, we could see like it was a perfect marriage of casting and, and, you know, character and performer. And, and I know he had a hand in writing uh, some of the first couple movies too. I I, 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 yeah, he, he the first one, I think he got a writing credit. I don't recall in the second one if he did. Oh, okay. um, and, and he really is just like the most likable performer. And his, you know yet at the same time he's not I, I feel like sometimes like a performer who's likable that term can limit them as an actor in some ways they can sort of coast on charm i feel like he's never phoning it in i feel like he's always like present committed. in the moment yeah like and he's good with sharing the screen like with the actress Catherine newton who played his daughter with uh, evangeline lily i mean i think he he's always in the moment and his reactions to things like they don't have to overwrite it because he can sell almost any line. Right. You know, even the jokes about the books and, and then that moment, of course, you read my book. Like <laughs> he, that was just such a moment. He made such a meal out of that one little line, but uh, he uh, he's just, I, I I, do hope we get more of him. I, I don't know what the future of Ant-Man is going to look like, but you know, what like the energy he brought to civil war and to the infinity war and i mean i'm sorry to end game i mean he he does something very different than the rest of the mcu and i i I always had a soft spot for ant-man and then when i found out he was playing him i was like okay thank you you know and he's managed to not make it feel old i don't feel like he's no i i I feel like there's still i'm hungry for more of him though i do think uh You know, there is room for other actors still to kind of get a little more in the mix. But um, yeah, I I don't think this will be the last time he suits up.
2: No, I mean, I think him (laughs) him not being, you know, killed off or having to retire in some way or being left in the quantum realm means we'll see him again. I just think that they'll use him sparingly. And I think the next time that there's a call for pim Particles, uh, it'll be Cassie. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, uh, we talked a little bit uh, about hope. And I feel like, yeah. uh, Katie, you felt like you got uh, a decent amount of, uh, you know, some good moments from her. Good moments, uh, but not
4: I, good arc. I, I wouldn't say. Right. Good that's what I
2: arc. was going to get at. Uh, and uh, I, I'm going to say one of the worst haircuts in the MCU possibly oh, ever. What? Uh, short hair on a woman can be fine going from long hair to short hair uh it not necessarily an issue i just I gotta you know, ask
4: this is like a thing because i know that this is a thing for my fiance as well but like when brie larson went from like the sort of like short wavy whatever yeah. to the shorter cut did you also get upset then too
2: a, a little bit but this one i mean she's very this? specifically Well, here's the thing though is that evangeline lily specifically got a vulcan haircut to <laughs> to you know <laughs> okay. invoke right, Star right. Trek again. So it it's it's not that it's short, it's that it's a bad short haircut. Uh, what makes so, it bad
4: like I think it frames her face really well. Like it it reminds me a little bit of Ripley, you know, uh in Aliens.
2: Well, it um, reminds me of Ripley's believe it or not. Believe oh, it or not, wow. that's actually hair <laughs> reminds
5: me of Ripley and Alien 3. Get a shaved head in that one because she's i I didn't bump up in the hair as much I think I bumped yeah. up on well you could the you could you could focus on something more
2: substantial like the storytelling that's all right wow. no
5: no no that no that but
2: I that.
4: this is this is a thing and like I've noticed as like people like and forgive me but i'm gonna point it out but white men especially get so fucking pissed when women cut their hair super short and i i wonder if there's some kind of connection between like usually women cut their hair after a breakup so it feels a little bit like a personal like like uh moment like oh she broke up with me and like now her hair's short or something it feels like there's that connection when women do this in Marvel movies. Am I
5: wrong?
2: I can only think of Brie Larson. I don't know of uh, anybody else. I mean, there's no, but, characters but I th- like...
5: well outside of MCU, I'm thinking of remember Felicity. She cut her hair, and yes. and people lost their minds over that. So no, I see where you're coming from, Kate. It definitely uh, yeah. this seems to trigger. A fair amount of <laughs> men.
4: Forget me, you know. Now, but
5: Katie, on that end, has your hair been short? Time have you time ever had the, had uh,
2: had a short?
4: Oh yeah, no, I, and okay. I loved it. I I even dyed it blue at one point. Um, this is actually the longest it's been. I think in my entire life, this is this. It drives me crazy, but we're growing it out for the wedding. I have had it short, and I've loved it. uh um, you do have to have a certain body type when you go super short. <laughs> and I am not in that body type right now. <laughs> <Stop>. uh, <laughs>
5: All right. You've, I, I've decided I'm growing the hair back out. I don't know what's going to look like now. I'm going to oh, try and redo my college. full shag. Yeah. Yeah, oh, no, think... my, the bowl cut from uh, when I was oh, five. Yes, <laughs> yes. Important question. I'm sorry, Katie. When's your wedding? April. Oh, ma- mazel tov. And uh, thank you, thank you. I think you should cut your hair short right before the wedding wear the veil (laughs) really test your partner I, I, i i i'm just putting that out there yeah.
4: I'm, I'm telling you, I, I can't do a veil because it reminds me too much of like child brides for some reason. Like, oh, I, I
2: honestly, I thought you were going to say child's play, bride of Chucky. I actually sure. thought that's where you were going. <laughs>
4: I mean, um, yeah, that too uh, is part of it. It's a child <laughs> and a bride. You're like,
2: I can't. A doll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. don't want to be that creepy. <laughs> Let's uh, see if there's a, any uh, final thoughts we want to make sure we get to uh, here. I already shouted this out, but uh, there are some fun little Treats in this movie. We knew that Bill Murray was going to be in it, but I sure didn't know that Cheedy from The Good Place was going to be in this movie. And uh, he was he was was the perfect character for him. You know who
4: who who was the goo guy? What was his name? I have holes. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That guy was great.
4: We had to look him up because I was like, who did that voice? It was like, was that Michael Sarah or something? But no, it's a like it's a voice actor and I think he's yeah. done a lot of different characters, but knocked it out of the park. I can't remember the name of the actual character, but uh loved that character. It feels like the next Pixar film, honestly. <laughs>
2: yeah it's called drink me yeah Uh, but look in general i was happy with this movie and it seems like uh you both reasonably were eric you're you're uh starting to wonder if uh, they should uh, hit the panic button over there at marvel studios because of uh the poor decision making by some of our characters
5: it's not panic button yet i i'm not i'm not that dramatic about it but yeah i'm curious in the storytelling especially as we get into stranger tides like just kind of making sure like you don't kind of lose you know the characters for the forest uh so that that's my concern but but that being said i mean i agree with everything we're saying here overall like these are you know marvel still manages almost three dozen movies into this universe to still find new angles and new approaches to the storytelling in ways that's pretty damn exciting. Even the way they're able to utilize their heroes to find that we, we've had giant man, but then we had like mega giant man, uh, which I thought was uh, a a nice little treat there. And by the way, I realized something I found from a very early uh, comic-con was an old school giant man. Oh yeah. uh, That is that that I got. Yeah. Yeah, And so
2: much so that he looks like bud man, which is, (laughs) The precursor to Duff Man, as always, Daniel Drew, the man with the answers. Veb is that character's name, voiced by David. Oh boy, dust Destma- Malkian. Uh, and I think the yups is just uh, that uh, somebody knew that he was the baby Yaga dude from X Cons. They, they made the quantum realm fun, uh, uh, even though I guess it's you know largely horrifying for the people who live there, but you know, for us to visit for, for like an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, it was fun, and uh, I'm, I'm looking for uh, fun out of my Marvel movies. And uh, I think even though Guardians 3 looks like it'll be very dramatic, it uh, also, it's a Guardians movie. It's going to be fun. We can tell from the trailer it's going to be fun. I'm ready. And, <laughs> entertain me. That's what I really want. And uh, that's what they continue to do. And uh, it is okay if a produce meter ranks it uh, a low number that's okay (laughs) i don't really care let's not make decisions based on what the veggie tales tell us we should go and do oh my god the tomato doesn't like it yeah but the rutabaga did think that it was fair so um but anyway uh so i appreciate both of you uh joining me for this portion of our conversation katie if people want to find you continue the conversation where do they go?
4: Well, you can find me at, at El Sassy Pants. Yes, I'm on that for Twitter, Instagram, all of the things, mostly unless you're on TikTok, and then that's pants with a Z.
5: Eric, where can people find you? Instagram and Twitter, count Eric Connor. I'm happy to hear that people enjoyed this. I know my sons thought it was the greatest, so it's good to see we still have our childlike innocence and wonder
2: well alive in, in all three of us. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Eric. Okay. And thank you, everybody in the chat, especially those who stayed up late. You've all heard a lot of what I had to say about this movie. I'm uh, very interested in hearing from our guests. First and foremost, you know, Nate Miller, a uh, dog like Nate. Nate has uh, been with us uh, very regularly uh, across the years. And uh, Nate, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me.
7: And Zach Schaefer of $2 Late Fee. Hey, thank you. I'm I'm honored to be on your show and talk about all things Ant Man and Paul Rudd and such. But um, two dollar late fee is a '80s and sometimes '90s movie podcast where we talk about a movie, a song from the a song from the movie, and then we interview someone connected to the movie. So, for example, we just covered Pretty Woman, a song from Pretty Woman, which is very controversial, by the way. And uh, we're interviewing Laura Sangiacomo. That's our upcoming guest from. Pretty Woman, Quigley Down Under, but I think genre fans will love her from like The Stand, uh, Disney's Gargoyles, uh, but and I, Just Shoot I, Me. One of,
2: the, one of those shows that you don't tend to think of right away, and when you think of Just Shoot Me, you think about how David Spade could have you know, frontlined dozens of different sitcom ideas, and he's like, no, nah, I just want to be the smartass who walks into the scene and says probably the funniest line in the show and then walks right out.
6: You know, exactly.
2: Which was the perfect role. <laughs> but uh, of course, uh, neither of them in this movie. And uh, Nate, I want to give you a chance to go first and uh, tell us just big picture. What did you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? What stood out for you?
6: I really enjoyed it. I really like the pacing of the film. The last couple Marvel movies for me have had spots that I've really enjoyed and then other spots I felt like it dragged. And this one, it really felt like it was, it felt like watching a graphic novel and that it like... There were parts of where I could draw lines of like, all right, that's the end of an issue. That's the end of an issue. And it just kept the motion going really well. And and I really liked the characters. It still felt like an Ant-Man movie, but less rigid than they have kind of in the past. I thought the CGI looked great. And of course, Jonathan Majors was awesome as Kang. So I I really liked it. I don't know if it's just because I had really low expectations. Um, But especially of the last three Marvel movies I saw, this is definitely like the best one
2: it's fun it's light in the way that you want ant-man to be it's wacky in the way you expect a guy who talks to ants who can get small and smaller and smallest as the movie goes along and big bigger and biggest so it's more like look when i saw eternals i think i knew like okay i can think of a lot of things that people might focus on what they didn't like about it this was one where i'm like oh, not everybody should love it, but why do people hate this movie so much? Zach, tell
7: me uh, what you thought, uh, what stood out for you about Mania. Well, uh, the Ant-Man franchise was the first one I introduced to my son. I think he was five or six at the time when the first Ant-Man came out, or when I showed it to him. Uh, probably the most kid-friendly in the sense that it wasn't super threatening, super terrifying, you know the bad guys weren't that scary in comparison, uh, so we were really excited to see this. I came in like Nate did, but with, with pretty low expectations. Being a February movie, and notoriously Hollywood dumps their feb their kind of crappiest movies in February, right? So I was expecting it to be on the level of Eternals. If I'm hopefully I'm not being too controversial, um, <clears throat> I was overly pleasantly surprised like walked out of the theater with a big smile on my face, laughed out loud several moments throughout. I kind of echo what you guys are saying. I don't understand why people necessarily are hating on it. What do you expect? It's a Paul Rudd movie. You're going to get a bunch of jokes and it's going to be silly. And dare I say the most risque out of the three, like kid wise, but still a super kid friendly, not too scary movie. And I think younger kids, younger people, younger Marvel fans can go to this. And not, not have to close their eyes every five seconds like they would in Multiverse of Madness.
2: I mean, Multiverse of Madness was such that my wife hasn't seen it uh, because she's <laughs> just like, and there's like, you know, him getting impaled on the rock iron fence. I'm like, oh, right? stuff like that, you know, it, it, And it goes back to like when I was watching the the premiere <laughs> episode of Squid Game in another room and my wife heard it. She was like, oh, yeah, I don't need to watch. There's just nothing but gunshots. (laughs) She's like, I don't need to watch that show. You know, it it is one of those things that I hadn't thought about it because my son's seven now. I just last year got to show him Star Wars for the first time. So it's it's really baby steps. You know what I mean? (laughs) So he hasn't seen anything Marvel just yet, uh, apart from some animated stuff. Now that you put it that way, this is a lot more kid friendly than uh, than what we've gotten you know recently i i would say yeah i think uh, and Nate you mentioned it Jonathan Majors is fantastic yeah and anyone who's seen him in anything i don't think anyone's surprised he's fantastic in this but it's just this iteration we get of Kang who is you know essentially the same entity as he who remains in loki but it, they're still very different characters because it's a you know it's a different part in that flat line or that jumbled up line that is his life let's talk a little bit about what he brings to a character like Kang you know I mean it's it's really comparable to the fact that we got so much more depth out of Thanos than I ever saw in the comic books let's uh, highlight him a little bit more uh, Nate talk a little bit more about Jonathan Majors in particular
6: it definitely helps that I think the character was really well written for the movie. He had some great material to work with. Um, The fact that he, Kang himself, kind of plays a character to uh, Janet, you know, like him being able to emote that change from the like, oh, yeah, help me. I'm a scientist to like, no, actually, like this is what it is. And, And that you could see that shift within him. Um, that was awesome and of course like he's super jacked so like the fight scenes were cool and you know like i don't know i really enjoyed that fight scene at the end with them a lot more than i thought i would like and it didn't feel cheap that like ant-man beat him because like he it was more of like a technicality thing he just kind of got lucky because um, he was getting <laughs> he was getting knocked around there for yeah, a he was. while yeah he was um, and i distinctly like one of the scenes i remember the most um from that movie is when he, when they start like attacking the city and, and he just goes down from his tower and suits up and just starts blasting indiscriminately, just like energy beams, just like, (laughs) and I was like, Oh, that's, that's a bad guy. You know? And, (laughs) and, And Marvel has this way of like, every time they get a good bad guy, they fumble the bag somehow. Um, but part of it, I think, is due to the nature of Kang. There's lots of variations, so they can kind of kill one without still getting totally rid of the character. But I have a feeling that Kang the Conqueror specifically is going to be back. I-, I think superhero stuff especially, like, the- obviously the main characters are important, but when we were talking about specific stories, like, who they're facing, the villain, the problem, is, like, just as important. Um, and I think that's for me, is what really hit with this movie, is that like, yes, it's a Paul Redd movie, it's an Ant Man movie, so it's a comedy, but there was still kind of that gravity brought to it by Jonathan Majors and his performance and Totally. He, he, and you could even see like I think that's why I felt like Michael Douglas. I have not really liked him as Hank Pym until right. this movie. Interesting. Because I didn't like the whole rigid, like angry old man thing. Like I wasn't really rocking with that and then now in this movie he's more of like maybe just because he's retired but like he's like he's still a genius and he's still like about his business but he's a little more like i don't know relaxed (laughs) like just the way that he interacts with cassie and the way that he talks about the ants and stuff like I feel like everyone's performance in this was just much better than I than I expected it to be. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Majors, I like, and knowing too now that this is, Kang is the big bad, is the Thanos of this next saga that's coming up, Like, I am just over the moon excited to see him in more movies, which is good because I was getting a lot of Marvel fatigue. And, and mm-hmm. this was kind of like, I don't want to say it was a deal breaker, but after going to see... Doctor Strange, and it was like, eh, and then seeing Wakanda Forever, which I was not a fan of. I, we were kind of debating going to go see it in the theaters, but Jonathan Majors drew me in after watching Loki, and so, like, as long as they can keep this throughput, I think uh, there's a little more hope for the this next phase.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think the timing of finally giving us Kang is is definitely right. It's been a while since, uh, you know, Endgame and it's been a lot more self-contained. Yes, we're dealing with the multiverse and, you know, that's part of the bigger issue here, but I think it was nice that we got a little taste of of what's to come from Loki. But Nate, to go back to the point you made, where he just basically you know storms out of the tower and indiscriminately just starts destroying stuff it's a great moment in that he knows it's not helping his cause in any way but sometimes it just feels good to kill a bunch of people and break stuff you know (laughs) so so, (laughs) somebody somebody can go ahead and take that sequence and set it to the uh, limp biscuit song uh, yeah
6: (laughs) (laughs) it's like a toddler that like is playing with his toys and then gets upset and just starts breaking their own toys like because, like, no, it's my stuff. Do what I want. And, <laughs> and it and it fits the character, like, really well without it being, like, super cliche.
2: Yeah, and I think your point about the fact that we're going to get a multitude of Kangs, and, you know, we see that in the mid credit scene, you're able to get variations when you see him next. You know, your character mm-hmm. development isn't as locked in. You don't have to you know explain everything and we're going to get some very different versions of him even as we see in the end credit scene that is clearly something that'll be from loki zach i wanted to give you a chance to uh, sing the praises of jonathan majors as kang in this
7: yeah i was first introduced to him as an actor in uh, lovecraft country and thought he was the best part of that series uh, such a shame that it wasn't renewed or whatever, but he was fantastic in it. I'm like, who is this guy? And I want to see more of him. Then I see him in Loki, and I'm like, okay, I like this character. I like that where they're going with this. And then obviously uh, in this, he was epic. I, I want to echo my love of that blasting scene it reminded but then i was like this is safe because he's killing little organisms and no one cares about little <laughs> organisms and uh, it's all right. good right yeah um, uh, he, he just took a little off the top of the broccoli guy it's all right <laughs>
6: <laughs> I, I was Holy. thinking about that too when ant-man starts knocking over buildings and i'm like aren't there people in those buildings like... Yeah, but they're organisms right yeah. I, and i love Wait, it way, yeah
2: it's not like superman trashing metropolis while he tries to kill zod you know yeah. it's like yeah you know it's a bacteria just drowned i guess it's okay
7: what were you gonna say zach sorry no it's okay and there wasn't that blaring like doom, doom, kind of sound effect throughout the entire movie which i appreciate because that's a little true. old too. I was having um, withdrawals from Marvel just like thinking okay like missing the original Avengers movies and hoping for that same spark again uh, I feel like he as an actor brings that level man he's jacked and then I'm we're watching the uh, trailers and there's a trailer for Creed 3 and I'm like, I, OK, he looks he's like basically club <laughs> relying in that, you know. Yeah,
2: I, I made this point earlier, but uh, I'll, I'll reiterate it because it uh, made me laugh when I thought about it. That scene that Nate's talking about where basically he and Scott are punching each other. It made me realize, like, wait a minute, his character in Creed three is also a king. Wait a minute. Maybe every character he's ever played in anything
7: is also a king. So, right. you know, it's <laughs> I, I, I will <laughs> but, say, too, like that that fight scene. Part of me was like, no, I think he should probably be destroying Scott a little bit more, but then I'm going to let it happen. I'm going to let it go because I love Paul Rudd so much. Honestly, like he can do no wrong in my book. But man, what a what an imposing actor, like what a way to like turn on that switch of feeling really sympathetic for him at one moment and then the next moment feeling being very fearful of him. Uh, I mean, that's a level of gravitas that I mean. I love Thanos but maybe this is even a notch above that in performance. I can't wait to see more.
2: I feel like we're going to get a lot more of him on screen. You know, the 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 specter of Thanos loomed over Phase 1 and, you know, beyond. It was always just sort of there and you only saw him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until Infinity War that uh, he was in action, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I think that uh, we're already getting to see so much more of Kang. And uh, I thought it was great, you know, to just watch him interact with with the different characters. There's the moment where he is claiming to just be a scientist and not a conqueror, Mm -hmm. you know. And then (laughs) there's the realization of like, oh, this is a really bad guy. Yeah. And this Kang insists that he's the good one that can stop the bad that's coming he who remains also insisted that he's the good one who can stop who's coming so that tells me that they all think they're the good one who can stop who's coming but they're all actually really terrible conquerors you know Well, (laughs)
6: wasn't he who remained wasn't his plan to keep the sacred timeline so in order to not in order to keep king the conqueror from like being created, isn't that... Did I misunderstand that? And then once I think, they broke that, then you got the the multiversal war started again, and then from that, mm-hmm. Kang rises up as the Conqueror, and then all the other Kangs are like, you're, you're too strong, so then they sent him to the Quantum? Right, Is I that, think that uh, uh,
2: filling in those pieces between those, I think, will be sort of the interesting part of it, because that's what he said he was doing. But... I don't know that I believe Kang when he talks to us, but you're right. Yeah. Loki definitely the Lokis, I guess could very well have started all of this and we'll be able to trace it back to that. I I think it's a very intriguing saga and it's very different. You know, Thanos trying to get the stones to, you know, snap away half of all living things is just a very different uh, approach. But I, I like that we're having, Some big stakes now after it's been a few years. I know that the release schedule was slowed down by the pandemic, but the fact that even though for this movie the stakes might not have felt so high, it's just knowing who Kang is and really seeing that mid-credit scene, just realizing, like, yeah, this is really only the beginning. And I do like that narration where Scott's thinking, like, hey, we did the right thing, didn't we? Wait. Maybe we didn't, you know, and uh, it's great to have that to think about because I I don't think Guardians 3 is going to really tie into this much. I would assume the Marvels does, but I think Guardians 3 is going to be fairly self-contained and in, in dealing with Adam Warlock and
7: their issues and James Gunn working out a great soundtrack. But um, <laughs> I want to say really quick too, the, to what that narration that Scott was doing in his, the monologue in his head at the end and how great that was. I felt so related, relatable in that moment because you have those moments of like, yeah, everything is going fine. But what if it's not that (laughs) self-doubt? And he's such a great character in that way that he's not confident. He doesn't he's he's kind of an everyman. He's kind of a he is a doofus at times, but that's what makes him so much more like likable and relatable. He's not over the top. No, not overpowering. Uh, and, but when he needs to be, he is, which is great. And I just, I love that final scene where I'm like, Oh crap, something's going to happen. Something bad's going to, Oh, it doesn't, but maybe it yeah. will. Just, just something bad happened to that ice cream cake. That was really the only <laughs> bad thing that happened. So. And by the way, I don't think I'm going to look at broccoli ever again, the same way. <laughs> <doing> this. <laughs> yeah, I know
2: the, the broccoli guy. What were some uh, other uh, standouts for you, uh, Nate? Obviously Jonathan majors is a great place to start. But uh, was there anything you were surprised by in terms of uh, well, you said earlier you were surprised by Michael Douglas uh, because uh, him as Hank Pym has not really resounded with you before. Anything else that uh, stands out from a, from a performance standpoint?
6: I mean, I think the broccoli guy is a, a great place to start that the 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 world building that they accomplished in in this movie um, was really impressive um, especially a lot of the CG places in Marvel movies have become very bland and repetitive um, it reminded me a lot of Star Wars uh, which I, I'm, I'm sure it was probably an intentional reference but like just the different creatures and the way they interacted the, the drink the ooze scene was hilarious and also is a nice you know, plot hole plug of like how do all these different beings know how to speak to each other not super happy with bill murray right now but that cameo was nice and it and the whole lando betraying everybody you know homage was there and like i I just really enjoyed the the, that world that space um and especially to the the kind of uh subtle not so subtle political commentary throughout the film too yeah. <laughs> um which was interesting to me at the start of this idea of this white family going and liberating these indigenous people that were conquered by a black man but awkward uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, but, uh but, know, and, and of course the like, thing was cool but hank is yeah. a socialist now so i'm okay <laughs> with that um <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, I I mentioned this uh, uh, earlier in an earlier conversation, and I actually had somebody uh, write to me on Twitter who said, oh, so you enjoyed that socialist propaganda? And I was just like, you mean the one joke about the ants living in a a socialist society? I'm like, uh, yeah, my exact words were I I didn't lose any sleep over it. It was a joke. It's fine. But when you do peel it back and you think about it, it, it's interesting because – You know, Scott is in the, hey, I've already saved the universe once. I don't feel like I should need to do anything else. And Cassie is literally needling him in the beginning part of the movie. Like, don't you want to try anything now? And even when they first get to the quantum realm, it's like, we need to help these people. And he's like, hey. I got a book tour, you know, I'm doing the podcast, which has been mentioned and, you know, other Marvel stuff is like, I don't got time for all this. Um, Let me ask you, Zach, about the the world building and, and, you know, some of the some of the creatures we met and a lot of the crazy things that we saw in this movie.
7: I had an interesting discussion with my son after the movie about how many holes we all have um which was really entertaining (laughs) and then of course my wife going I have eight holes and I'm like that that, yeah that's yep that's great that didn't help (laughs) no um so uh and probably to this day uh since we saw it on Friday like the most quotable line I have holes um you know they took like characters that would be it reminded me a little bit of He Man, the original Hannah uh filmation cartoon. Oh with- yeah random side characters where i'm like who the heck is this guy but it's funny that that you
2: say that because yeah the the drink me guy i always forget his name he's he's very orko from totally orko
7: yeah yeah (laughs) i was expecting the music to pop in at some point my son's it's kind of phasing out of action figures and but at the same time i'm like but if they come out with new action figures based on these side characters that would be really cool um the the, i want a model
6: of the dude yes with the light I want so yeah, cool and i want it to like
7: light game. up right yes.
6: yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah the light definitely has
2: to uh go on well i'm uh i'm 47 and i haven't quite yet uh phased out of action figures so no it comes uh, back yeah. it comes back oh yeah yeah that's true it does come back yeah that's a great point there's a stretch where you know i wasn't buying star wars prequel stuff you know yeah but but I my have... wife's
7: like should we get rid of these i go no because Bodie's gonna want them again yep so
2: yeah well that's fun it's funny you say that because uh that was always my thing so i have like all my original trilogy star wars stuff and that was what i told my son I was like well when we when we finish watching return of the jedi because most of the stuff i have is return of the jedi because i was the oldest i was like yeah we can open that stuff up and so periodically he's like when are we gonna open those i'm like i did promise that didn't i and i was like "Ah, you know i gotta (laughs) so wait for a day that uh, he's homesick and his sister's at school because I don't want (laughs) the little pieces to get everywhere, you know, you can see that the people involved with uh, creating some of these situations, you know, they had fun with it and they didn't create a world that is entirely terrifying for, you know, what, the hour and 45 minutes they spend in there. And, right. you know, there's certainly scary elements to it, but that is definitely a direction you could have gone where the quantum realm is just this terrifying place and there's no fun to be had. And that it really wouldn't have been an Ant-Man movie, you know? Yeah. So I think knowing whose story this is goes a long way into uh, that kind of tone. And uh, I'll give a,
7: well- uh, go ahead i was gonna i was gonna say what nate uh, just piggyback on what nate was talking about in regards to the star wars uh vibe to it which i think is brilliant by the way i never really picked up on it until once you, after you mentioned that I'm like oh yeah it to- makes total sense but it that's what made it more fun like this whole universe right that you're going to it drifting away from when he's in san francisco and it's clearly a set but i don't have a problem with it because i'm like we're not gonna be there that long um I was just mesmerized by this whole world that was created. And I said to my son, I'm like, you know, like 90% of this movie is all green screen. It's amazing what they were able to pull off. Um, And I I mean, I want to see more of that world. I doubt we will, but, you know, you never know, right? Yeah, you
2: never know when somebody is passionate and comes to them with the right idea for like a Disney Plus series or something, you know? Right. And it's like, let's go back to the quantum realm. And it's like, sure, we might as well. Also uh, joining us now from the quantum realm is our pal, uh, Kate Cornell. Uh, Kate, thanks for joining us.
1: Sorry, I had uh, a lot of tech issues.
2: That's all right. I'm 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 living in tech issues right now here at the new house. <laughs> so uh, exactly. we're just sort of talking about the the world building and uh you know nate was making the point that uh you know that somehow this turned into a really fun star wars movie at one point it was the best star Wars movie
1: since last jedi oh
7: yeah (laughs) i agree
1: it was like the amount of characters you even had a cantina
7: yes that's true you had totally Yeah, yeah it
1: was like there were so many little bits where it's just like yeah, the flying thing they were playing and, music
6: they were playing space music when we walked yeah, in the cantina i was like yeah. oh this is star wars yeah
1: you have to like it's play like there's the you know janet is the the obi-wan character that goes into <laughs> and starts talking the new language and luke is just like what <laughs> totally. um
2: well kate i want to give you and of a chance course he's like i've
1: of... built an empire and i'm like so is the empire striking back is that what oh. you're telling me is that what you're I telling me that's what, yeah it, it definitely I looked like that that
2: Death Star hangar shot when you look down. Uh, no, but really? uh, so uh, let's uh, give you a chance to start where we all started. Sort of uh, big picture, overall thoughts. You know, Star Wars notwithstanding, just <laughs> overall feeling about uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania.
1: It was definitely a nice kick off to Phase Five. It felt like they went back to their roots in a way. Of it wasn't as crazy as like the Thor movies have become in terms of comedy, mm-hmm. but it was a good balance of like. Good character building, good relationship building, funny, but there's drama in it. Like you still see like all of the pieces of a good Marvel movie from like phase one or phase two are now are back in their present and it's well balanced. I do feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp didn't have anything to do with their own movie, which is okay very similar to the way that like black widow didn't really have anything to do with her own movie it was about yelena and the family and and kind of like setting up the next piece like this was cassie's movie and cassie in a way like had to fight her own nightmare which i really liked because it was she was fighting modok who was the face because once once like he like puts off up his mask in the first movie that's all she sees and it's like now it's just a giant floating head to a six year old that's like, oh, that's you know, nice. or that part of her that's still traumatized. And she has to kind of defeat the thing that literally tried to kill her, but has been kind of haunting her. Mm. And it's nice that they kind of put that in the beginning of like, I was almost killed by a bee when I was six. I've never had a right. normal life. And then the. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so like
1: good point movie and you have three generations representing like the generational trauma that is is present in our real life world when marvel does meta commentary it's really great and when it does commentary it sucks so like (sighs) like when they're they're able to be like all three generations of we don't talk about shit from the past to Oh, what is the like hope going like, what does the past have to do with this? And Cassie's just going, you all have these cool powers. Like, can you use them for something? Can you do something like we got to help these people and we got to help the people in the park that we're getting like, you know, we got to help people. And it was I felt like it was three generations represented in one Marvel movie commenting on each other very, very well.
2: It's an interesting point that you made, though, uh, because this movie has two Ant-Man Two Ant Men and two Wasps, and uh, it was still uh, re- really the driving force. Really, is uh, Cassie. Cassie, you know the, yeah. the 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 little whoopsie, uh, unintentional call to action. But then once they're there, you know the need to actually uh, help out yeah. instead of you know just find their way out of there. There, this is a lot of like, yeah, we're planning ahead for the future. And we've talked a lot about how they recast the actress from Endgame for yeah. uh, Catherine Newton. And you can, you just know like, Oh yeah. You're, you're going to see probably a lot more of her yeah. than anybody else that, yeah. uh, you know, with a suit.
1: Did anyone feel like there was a scene missing?
2: Mm, I, don't, I don't think story. I felt like that specifically, but like, uh, let us know, like let I'm, us know which where you think that uh they maybe switched the reel too early.
1: I didn't feel like, <laughs> there i i didn't feel like there was a scene missing until giant man comes and he's yelling at kang and you know he's you know we had a deal and our word is our bond and i'm like wait a minute he never said that and like that that interaction and that well, he, he that and the personal prison, they
2: made the deal they, they, did, make a they deal. did make
1: a deal but like I, the continuing like but like like how he's I, talking to him and and destroying like towers i, I, I and think the and
2: like, the escalation might be a little bit of a jump but i'm gonna say that with a like a two hour and three minute runtime there's definitely stuff that's missing because You know, nobody seems to make a two hour movie anymore, but uh, Marvel's kind of intent on actually putting out two hour movies right now. So, yeah, there's probably something fell by the wayside. I don't think I thought about it as you say it. I'm like, okay, yeah, he you know, he's definitely very upset. I I felt like logically it was there that, you know, he felt like Kang had made him a deal and he was trying to go against it. Uh, One thing I wanted to steer into because he's come up now. And there's uh, some wildly different reactions to Modoc, And I want to ask you first, Zach, your thoughts on getting Darren Modoc with his giant face and baby legs.
7: Well, call- first, first of all, there's a movie from the eighties called uh, maybe it's, maybe it's 90 uh, called doll man. It's from full moon entertainment and their tagline is 13 inches with an attitude. Um, Tim Thomerson is a alien who tracks uh, a villain from outer space and comes to earth and they are tiny when they get to earth. Well, he demolishes the villain in the first five minutes of the movie to the point where the villain is just a head on a little platform and it's all stop motion animation and it's terrible looking, but it's very enjoyable. This is so, the
2: uh, studio that gave us the Puppet Master, Puppet Master, seen yes. people, okay. subspecies, etc.,
7: wow. etc. Cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and if
2: you love all those movies, this is a good time to make sure people check out Two Dollar Late Fee because yeah,
7: <laughs> I because we talk about some of those movies. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you. sorry, finish your thought, Zach. Yeah, no, so so my there's a connection here because as trashy as that was, I still love the heck out of it. So, right. uh, you know, when Modoc is Darren's revealed as Modoc, it was so hilarious but I feel like that's the point I can right? uh, in. And in that moment, I heard so many people that I know are like diehard fans of go, Oh, you know, which kind of made it more enjoyable too. Cause it's like, (laughs) look, this is, this is Hollywood's way. This is not, you know, they're not redesigning the suit. He looks the same. It's just what's underneath. And I have no problem with that. I thought it made it more entertaining. Again, going back to what I said originally, this is a very kid friendly movie. If they made Modok look more intimidating, I think that would be terrifying, night terrifying for young children. But for to, to make him look like this baby man uh, was was so much fun, and I had no problem with it whatsoever. I, I think
2: I that love- uh, Modok is going to be a character who finds himself in sort of the same con- <clears throat> conundrum DC did with uh, Batman after the sixty six. Uh, Live action series with Adam West Where it's like people don't take a character Seriously for a little while It's hard to take MODOK seriously You know it's funny because Zach you're talking about People who really feel passionately About MODOK those are the ones who are like I can't believe they ruined MODOK and I'm like Didn't MODOK ruin MODOK He's a giant head and uh refuse
6: able- to believe that there are people who are passionate about Modoc. I, <laughs> I I, I wish you were are. right, mate. Like there's Tell so, that so much there's Patton other Oswald, stuff. man.
1: Tell them. That well, that's the what Patton I was gonna Patton say. Like but the, he the, accepts the, that it's a
6: joke,
2: though. Yeah, the Patton least. Oswald like... version, and we've uh, we've talked to Jordan Bloom, who was the, the co-creator and showrunner of that show. It's a very specific, funny take on Modoc. Yeah. And I think that works. This fits right into it, you know? It's like you, you can kind of explain away like, yeah, that's a, that's a variant of Modoc, but it's, it's really the same guy. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't know. I don't need much out of Modoc. There's characters that I don't have reverence for, you know, did people see James guns, the suicide squad and go like, what did they do to polka dot man? Come on, <laughs> you know? Uh, but, uh, so Nate, mm-hmm. you find that hard to believe. So I'm going to, assume that that means that you had no problem with the way modoc was used in this No, the song. I
6: thought it I thought it was genius. I when that when when he was like Darren, I was like, <laughs> "Wait a minute."
1: When they all say Yellow Darren, yeah, it's really so
6: funny. What?
1: Also the fact that like Darren is one of those names like Chase or like, like the yes, names sir? that you can't take seriously, like the yeah. you can't say Darren and be like, "Oh shit, it's Darren." Like you can't you can't do it. <laughs>
2: yeah it's randall no. it, it's yeah it's not like having a name like kang you know no yeah. Yeah, it's, no it was just so it's clever
6: like, like, like with the way that he went out to have that turn into him because one it makes sense for him to be in the quantum realm yeah and then two like a it makes sense that well it doesn't completely Zapped make up. sense but it's plausible that he ended up with a giant baby head
2: yeah and also that kane can't sorry that kang would have complete and utter disdain for this uh, annoying person you know, yes. he's like you don't he's talk, like, don't talk I'm when in i'm room, in the room is the best <laughs> great. Yeah.
1: and i wish but, i had that power also like i know this has been to probably talk to you to death but i have to say it jonathan majors saved that movie jonathan majors made that movie and the fact that his rendition of kang in this one is so different and so quiet as opposed to other marvel villains Mm, and they did it very like peyton knew what he was doing when he directed jonathan majors because he was focused a lot on the hand movement and like when he was, it didn't take a lot for you to feel that power. So props to the sound design team. Cause like, it didn't take a lot for Kang to be scary. And I, he's so different from his characterization of he who remains, and he's going right. to be so much different than council of Kang, which was revealed in the second, the mid, the mid credits, mid credits. Yeah um and the last cred with uh victor timely so right cool. yeah so we
2: see all these different versions if you have victor timely being a great name but uh, yeah and and we've he's talked about comic. how
1: he's he's there we,
2: we get to see uh rama Tut, we get to see amortis and uh, all these other variations <sighs> Anyone and- think
1: the third one is a weird version of the scarlet centurion
2: I, I in 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 an earlier conversation, uh, our pal Daniel Drew in the chat, who seems to know everything about everything, he it's seemed to chance. know that future Kang. That's a future iteration of Kang. I mean, they're all future, but there's like something. Let's take our time. Mm-hmm, let's spend a while with all of them. You can you can keep going back to the Kang well for a, a, a little bit, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's uh it's an interesting point, Kate, because. The performance by Jonathan Majors is fantastic, but I didn't think of it in the terms of the directing in terms of body movement and sound design. It's all stuff that we take for granted. You know, because we're all fully aware of the crazy, you know, CG rendered galaxy universe, whatever you want to call yeah. it, the realm, but in terms of, you know, just making things sound the right way, the way his yeah. ship operates being so different than anything we've seen before. Those little attentions to detail are really just make you understand what a terrifying uh, adversary this guy is going to be and this is him not at full power because he's he couldn't use re- time. Yeah, he's not <laughs> that angry except for in the one scene that uh, Nate brought up where he just started breaking stuff. You know, he's not he's not really that angry for most oh. of this movie, you know? So And it was nice to,
1: it was cuz it was nice to see it's like I have all the power here. I've already done the yeah. conquering, so I don't feel like it was like and, I, I, and another star wars thing they love their platforms the evil guys love the platforms
6: <laughs> yeah they do sure right yeah He's yeah. So I mean, I, I always the... been a platform guy yeah,
1: yeah. coming down it was nice yeah,
2: yeah. uh no I, I think uh all of that uh is is really well done and it's exciting and um i, I i'm going to reiterate uh, a point now that uh kate is here i do want to give uh just a, a shout out to The way that Peyton Reed was able to use Michelle Pfeiffer and take advantage of the fact that uh, she is there
7: and uh, certainly capable of uh, kicking ass when needs to be. I interviewed David Patrick Kelly uh, last year. He was uh, Luther in The Warriors and he was in Commando and he was in 48 Hours uh, uh, and and he was in The Crow. right? Right. And he talked a little bit about ageism in Hollywood and how it's still very prevalent. And it's nice to see the opposite in this with Michael Douglas and Michelle Fiverr having very strong roles and very commanding performances and still kicking ass after Arguably, decades upon decades.
1: They're the Ant-Man and the Wasp that make the movie go forward. It's yeah. not Hope and 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 Lang. It's like we get the Ant-Man and the Wasp movie about the original Ant-Man and the Wasp.
7: Totally. Totally. 'Cause
1: yeah, like right. Michael Douglas also, is that hero shot he when he's walking yeah, in and all the ants. Also, and there are a lot of ants. There's
6: also oh, a probability that, matrix scene, okay. And then Ant Man fights Kang at the end. So I, I I think it's definitely more of an ensemble film than some of yeah. the previous Ant Man films. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I can I can sit silently while you disparage the the, <laughs> the hard work that Scott Lang. Well, in. I, I'm gonna say that they well, like don't. Scott, they I just. I'm gonna say they, think
2: they, they don't do nearly. The they don't do nearly enough with Hope, though, in this movie. You know, I feel yes, like Hope, Hope, definitely Hope, gets and Hank are characters sure. that I think they could have uh, beefed up their parts a little bit. Both Hank and Hope very important. Yeah, but they don't yeah. get as much screen time as as, as Scott, of course, but uh, also Cassie. So I would love to have seen more from both of them, but uh, I I think that they're all all f- what all five of the leads are uh, are very important for the storytelling and i think that it's not always easy to balance that you yeah. know what i mean I, so i, I definitely think that agree that in up. this
6: movie scott doesn't have as much of an arc but if you look at it at the scope of all three of the ant-man movies yeah sure, this brings it full circle around to him and cassie and so oh, in, yeah. in that scope I think it's a great character arc for him, but I would definitely agree that watching the movie by itself, like is not, he doesn't change that much. <laughs> also, right. what do you
1: think about Nate? I, I, I had this thought, I had a late night thought last night because I knew I was going to do this. And I was like, Oh, I should have some things, like smart to say. Well, this is Clearly you've most-
2: never been on this show before. If you <laughs> <with> Something smart. I appreciate, I, I appreciate you wanting to be the one that brings something smart. Uh, I, I also, am only excited. talking about myself. Not Somebody's got to do
7: Yeah,
1: Yeah, I was the one that, you know, was just like, remember that the five number bridge code, because that's going to be important at some point.
7: Well, that guy, that character, by the way, who could read everyone's thoughts. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, uh, that
2: uh, and that actor, of course, who played uh, Cheedy on The Good Place. That mm-hmm. was uh, one oh, of the, I yeah. had I had no idea he was in this movie and I just uh, couldn't have been happier to see him show up on the screen. We knew Bill Murray was in this movie, but to see him show up, else. I'm like, oh, my God, Cheaty, And uh, it was the perfect part for him. So I, good. I, my I can't imagine a scenario where we would ever see him again. But if they do bring him back, Sneaker they don't need to explain they don't need to explain why it makes sense. Just bring him Sneaker back. Wars secret wars anybody can be anybody can be um
1: my question was like i feel like this is the first time that ant-man hasn't been a part of a team because like he's made choices on like the little scale like you have to fight darren to save your daughter you have to do this to save your family right and like when he's been part of the big fights he's either been on like team cap fighting with captain america he's not stupid even though he lost (laughs) third time in prison Yeah. in the big fight against thanos but like this is the first time it, it occurred to me at the end watching it that he's made a dis- a huge decision on his own and it might have been a blunder he's now have to carry that weight of like, that's what it means to be a superhero is consideration over. That's right.
2: Really if everything point. goes wrong from cost. his decision, it's not Tony's fault. It's no, not, it's yeah. his fault. <laughs> it's, it's all on Scott. So oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. we, we oh, were talking head. about that. We were talking about that <laughs> earlier. The fact that uh, the realization and just seeing that, I think that uh, Scott Lang, you know, having been, a, you know, a, a former criminal essentially uh, yeah. is, is at a different level than a lot of the other, superheroes he when we meet him he's a lot less heroic you know Uh, he's not hank pym he's not that ant-man you know and
1: uh, so for nate's comment about the full arc and then like he in a way like it's not just him saving his family it's like he makes a really big decision and is that what it means to be a superhero so does by the end of the third movie he does he is that his superhero arc where he's finally a superhero he's finally an avenger in a way
6: yeah, I think that, especially with the existentialism scene at the end, um, and and again, like we've talked a lot about Jonathan Major's performance, but also what that makes this specific characterization of Kang really cool is he has that Doctor Doom thing of like, mm. I'm doing what I'm doing because it's for the good of everyone, and you don't understand because I'm smarter and better than you, so you just have to trust me um and it creates this dilemma of like well we want to stop you because obviously you're bad and people are going to get hurt but in the end is what he wanted to do actually going to cause less damage than what is going now going to happen um right. and so yeah that dilemma in yeah. him uh, i i didn't really think about it that way but now that you pointed out like yeah he hasn't he's definitely not been in the stick and control of the, making these decisions and now for him to have been the one that like led this that now whatever the repercussions that happen he has to deal with like well maybe i shouldn't have maybe i could have done this different or whatever and that's that's a that's a very large burden to wear right
2: and even the i'm gonna go steal this for kang so that he doesn't kill my daughter you know what i mean like he's may he, you go that far back in the film he's like i have to make this decision and you know even when Hope and Janet are trying to say like, you can't give it to him. He's like, well, I have to, you know, it's like, I understand that there are consequences. We can try and solve that problem, but I don't want him to kill my daughter, you know? So uh, I think that, uh, yeah, there, there's a, a surprising amount of, uh, of weight on uh, Ant-Man's shoulders. And, uh, you know, I think getting to really get to know Kang, I think your best villains that we tend to get, and it's not MCU proper, all of them, you I always point out that you feel like you can buy into what they're saying up until a point. Thanos makes sense. He makes sense. And whoa, he went crazy. Killbonger. Oh my gosh, what you're saying makes sense. Like, okay, that's too far. Magneto, my gosh, Magneto makes a lot of sense. Right up until he's like, well, yeah, and then you know, then we're gonna kill all the non-powered people. It's like no. You lived through the Holocaust. You, you're missing the point, buddy. And so I think Kang is another one of those. He's like he's like trying to he's trying to do some bad to stop the really bad from happening. Right. Which uh, I think watching that unfold will be fun, and then at times probably uh, heartbreaking and tragic and all, all everything in between. Uh, as we start to uh, wind down the conversation here, uh, Zach, I want to start with you, just sort of. Where you think things might go, what you hope we get next, whether it's about these characters, the MCU in general, just your thoughts after the movie was over and, you know, what uh, what you're thinking might be next and what you hope might be next.
7: Well, I, I appreciate that this film did not end on an obvious cliffhanger in the sense of like Scott being stuck in the quantum realm, which I felt like, you know, Kate, you were saying maybe a scene was missing or something that felt tagged on at the end where Scott was rescued suddenly by hope. Like, yeah, Let I me just that. interject
0: Cassie.
2: because in, in yeah. an earlier conversation, I, I came from a place where I started and I felt like it was a missed opportunity. I thought that they should have done it. And then I talked myself out of it because the second movie ends with him getting trapped in the quantum realm. So then that would have been two movies in a row where, where he that's gets what in the quantum realm. And I think the idea that he and hope could have spent some time there together yeah. uh, and not instantly been rescued. I think that there was some storytelling there, but also They're not in the business of, you know, making a bunch of Ant-Man movies. So so they they already
6: figured out how to get there and they just needed a map and they just spent a whole movie there. So she got a map. So like if they had left them there, people would have been like, well, actually in the movie, they already figured out a way to save Hank. So why (laughs) couldn't they bring them both back?
2: Nate, is that the voice you use in your head when you read basically everyone on Twitter?
6: Yes, yeah, that is the that's the default Twitter voice. That's yeah. A, yeah
2: if if you could just get uh, Twitter to talk to text or or text to talk,
0: yeah. um, Zach, I,
7: I want to let you finish your point though, so yeah. that we didn't get that that. Moment. No, we did, we didn't, but I'm I'm totally okay with that. It, it made it tricky with my son just recently got into D and D, and his yeah, dungeon master likes to kind of you know drag on a storyline. Sure, and I'm like, well, it's gonna make it awkward now because they just wrap this up really nice and neat, but you know he's like well i gotta still defeat the white witch (laughs) what i like about this i like that ending though because it's like no i i kind of miss having an ending that's just like no it's done for now right versus oh what's going to happen next like the doctor who episode that you know and then they recap the first 10 minutes in the first 20 minutes of the next episode i'm going old school doctor who not like new doctor who and by the way there were some shades of like old school doctor who in this too totally moments where i'm like oh man that feels like a character on the doctor like all of the companions saving the doctor this time but um i love where this is going i i if this is the end of the ant-man franchise for now i'm okay with that uh i I think these these three films are just so nice repeated viewing movies uh not every marvel franchise is a repeat. Iron Man, for example, uh, you know, certain parts of it. This one, I can, I feel like I can watch these over and over and over again. I'm totally fine with that. I love having a Welcome Back Cotter reference in this and talking to my son about that being Two. one of my favorite yeah. sitcoms. Two references. Right? Yeah. And and like, bring on more Welcome Back Cotter. But um, I love. Daddy, where... what's a horse shack? <laughs> Mr. Cotter, I got a note. Um, yeah, it it's, was really a fun ride uh if like Kate said if this this is a nice way to kick off the fifth uh phase and I'm on board I'm right I'm back on board you know like Nate you were saying feeling a little burnt out this charged me back up a little bit I think yeah being able to kind of not so much
2: reset the franchise but it's like okay this is a, this is where we're steering into the next era you know when you think about it you know when a new creative team comes on comic books I- in the last 20 years they usually start with a new volume so now we're in like volume five of the mcu and it's like yeah you liked a lot of the other stuff this is a little different we'll, we'll refer back to that stuff but this is something different nate i want to ask you the same question what you think about what's next and uh even if it's what you hope is next that might not actually happen <laughs>
6: I think a, a lot of people's issues with Marvel movies is the, the comedy fatigue and that especially ever since Guardians even the movies that aren't necessarily comedy movies are just packed with jokes and light moments and with this movie it's fine because Ant-Man has always been like a comedy that's why it worked it make more sense here I'm hoping that with this we can kind of like whatever the next movie stuff is that they can let those movies be whatever they need to be yeah, like put that um, without specific. exactly without injecting the all right. Well, these are the four things it needs to be to M- be an MCU movie. Like, mm-hmm. just let it be Marvel characters and let it be a comic book movie, um, because comic books are a very wide genre. But so far of the movies that we've got, it's been very narrow. Um, this movie felt like the most you. comic book movie we've gotten. Probably since like Endgame, Infinity War, just in terms of like going to a different space and all these new characters, yeah. and then the fight scenes and the Probability Matrix and all that stuff. Um, I really love the concept of Kang, so I don't know. I'm excited. I, I'm feeling charged up also about about what's coming. Um, the payoff from that last season of Loki ending coming now, like, was was worth the wait. I mm-hmm. will I will say. Um, my question is though, it, is this kang uh a nathaniel richards a, a richard uh reed richards descendant, and if so right. does that mean that our fantastic four is going to be black and we're going to get a, a black reed richards
1: i hope so That's... i mean
2: they I mean, I they, so. they they went they went one fourth of that direction with the really bad one by putting michael g michael b right. jordan uh and uh i mean it's okay we
1: they fixed it it's fine <laughs> He was yeah, Killmonger. Well,
2: I, fine. Right, exactly. <laughs> they, yeah, and it it, it's interesting that, uh, you know, and uh, Chris Evans gets to do a do-over after being Johnny Storm as well, you know. So I it's don't like,
6: remember any of these things that you're talking about. Because they didn't happen. They didn't happen. And Fantastic no, like, uh, didn't happen. Nate, Nate has a very, a, those, yeah, a very specific one of those. Yeah,
2: uh, a very specific one of those Men in Black. Uh, Paying no attention things. to the man but behind the curtain. But it's only set to movies about the Fantastic Four. And yeah. I contend, that the Roger Corman Fantastic Four is still the best Fantastic Four that we've gotten, and boy, there are problems with it. But it's all on on budget and stuff like that. I think we're in a good place uh, going forward, and we do have to remember that not everything needs to be for everybody. Comic book movies, not that long ago, weren't for everybody, so it's okay if people don't like it. You don't have to go and see it if you think you're not going to like it. You know, right. I think. Well, but that, also
6: uh, the flip side of that coin is they have to make movies for specific people and stop trying to make every movie for everybody. Yeah. Like the, what makes comics great is that you can get your, you know, your crime noir fix over here and then get your fantasy fix over here and then get your space adventures over here and then get your lighthearted family comedy over here and then get your really dark, gritty magic thing over here. Like, and it all can exist within the comic space, but it's allowed to be its own thing, and that's what the movies need. And I and I think Doctor Strange, that last one was a a, a step in the right direction. I do still think there was some Marvelisms injected into that movie that didn't need yeah. to be there. Um, sure. But the overall vibe of it being like embracing this dark mystical story, like that's the direction we need to go in. Um, right. And so I'm I'm hope I'm ho- more hopeful now than I was. After watching Wakanda Forever, that's for sure. Sure,
2: oh, yeah. uh, and Kate, same question for you. Uh, in terms of uh, where you think we're going, hope we're going, and uh, you know your your thoughts about what's next, as they say.
1: Kevin Feige, in the beginning of of this, the the kicking off the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was very clear and very open to you. Don't have to watch all of the movies to watch one movie. And it's kind of gotten to that point in phase four where it's like, ah, crap, I didn't see that one movie. And am I going to understand what the heck's going on? And it felt like this was the first time in a while where it's like it's straight like phase four and the end of phase three, because you're hitting hitting the end of the Thanos arc was straying away from all of that, where you like you kind of had to know who everybody was in order to enjoy the ending and then it still felt like in phase 4 that everything was so fragmented it's like wait a minute but how does this relate to the big the big picture and this was the first movie in a while for marvel where i felt comfortable saying to my roommate who doesn't watch marvel you can go and see this movie and have fun yeah and yeah. you can you can you don't have to know the big picture it is a standalone if you watch the other ant-man movies if you know who ant-man was in the the thanos arc in the infinity saga like you'll enjoy it and you're gonna get another you know this is a kickoff to something in the future Mm -hmm. but this felt like an iron man movie like this felt like a i can enjoy this movie and have a good like have a good bite out of it and walk out and be like oh was that a little star wars or oh i really like that adventure i just went on and it was character driven it was funny it had drama it had a lot of great characters in it and i hope that marvel is listening to people who are enjoying this as a, as a movie that they can just enjoy and not really have to explain cuz they we understood pieces of the multiverse because scott lang is such an everyman character that that was a really great way to introduce multiversal probability matrix and like but don't worry about it Right. Like those are just all of your <laughs> the choices you could have made, But don't worry about it. Just keep going,
2: look, i I think that the important thing is you can set up stuff to come, but not at the expense of the story you're telling. yeah, uh, i I often refer to the example of, I am in a very small minority and I liked the amazing Spider-Man 2, the second Andrew Garfield movie. But my biggest like knock that. on that is that they're setting up like four movies that by the way, they never made, Nope. you know, they set up sinister six, they're setting up some green goblin stuff. They're setting up the black cat. And it's like, you know, in there is this great story about Peter and Gwen, which is why those two movies, I think, work on any level is because of the two of them. And it's like you really hit it in all this other stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you know, make a Sinister Six movie, but, you know, you don't need to start setting it up right away. I mean, the B.J. Novak's character is Alistair Smythe, who creates the Spider Slayers. It's like everybody doesn't have to be somebody who could get their own movie.
1: <laughs> right. And
2: uh, yeah. yeah, I'm still the, thinking about that eight years later. You The know? big thing I and, think we're
1: going to get is... um. The end, the the thing that got me at the end of the movie was after that really great season, Loki season two, like, ah, (laughs) nom, 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 nom. I'll eat this sandwich. (laughs) Yeah, Please give it to me. (laughs) I always look forward to the last three words of every Marvel movie, which is blank will return. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's Kang will return. And I wouldn't be surprised that every movie that Kang shows up in, it's not going to be the hero. It's going to be Kang will return. And right. it's every yes. single time Kang enters the universe, it's because he's he going to cool. come back. He's going to come back. There's going to be another world. one. He's going to come back. Because it's all going to lead to Kang <clears throat> Dynasty and Secret Wars. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, they they flipped their own bit that they started to do, for lack of a better word, because I can't think of it right now, um, on, their, on its head. And it's like now that we've entered a multiversal time-traveling wizard, basically, that all of those movies are going to end with Kang will return.
2: Well, we uh, can't be sure if or when we will see Scott Lang on the big screen again, but don't worry because he will be in bookstore September fifth. That's <laughs> right, you will be able to pre-order. Look out for the little guy, and That's uh, I have, That's I have said multiple. I've said multiple times, it's a huge missed opportunity if Paul Rudd is not out there doing in stores and book signings and or wild. the audio book. Well, he should definitely do the audiobook. I mean, we heard him reading the audiobook in this. So, uh, sure <laughs>
1: I feel like it we should get an
2: amazing. And then yeah. quick
1: thing, did anyone talk about the Easter egg that they dropped with the gate code,
2: the bridge code? No. I I have not uh I yeah, I wanted to ask you what your Easter egg was and I don't like know the date. bridge code. Yeah, what is the yeah. bridge code?
1: So the bridge code that Quaz grabs from the guy yeah. like I will die first is at 18147. And that's when I was just like one eight one four seven. Don't forget that. (laughs) And I'm like, it sounds like either sounds like it means something, or it sounds like like something like two things that are put together, like two issues. And it is that. It is two issues from Marvel. Uh, Avengers one eight one was Scott Lang's first ever appearance in the Marvel universe from 1979, and then a month later in Marvel Premiere 47 is when he first becomes Ant Man. Ooh, so for jakes. for Nate's for Nate's jakes. um arc of like he becomes Ant-Man in this movie kind of in a way like he is Ant-Man <laughs> but like in terms of him like actively making a choice that could affect a wider universe I, like it wow. makes a lot of sense of like I, those I two. do like
2: when when a script just calls for some numbers there's somebody's like whoa, whoa whoa hold on give me a actually second I've got I've got numbers for you <laughs> Uh well what thank you. What kind of
1: numbers uh, do you want? Well yeah. You uh
2: that, uh Kate. And uh Kate, let people know where they can keep in touch with you and uh please tell them about your film and where they can find
1: it. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram at uh cor C-O-R-N-E-L-L-A-B-L-E. Um, or you can follow me at uncanny film that is the x men fan film that i made about rogue and gambit it's just a continuation of rogue 1995
2: Nate it's on the screen but you know there's also audio audience uh, how can people find you and keep in touch with you and uh, see if you will read their tweets in the voice you did earlier
6: Find me everywhere at dog like Nate that's dog with two g's and if you tweet at me i will read the tweet in that voice uh, to myself <laughs>
2: Well, I'm going to start tweeting you every day just so that you can uh, read <laughs> oh, it in my voice. Uh, and uh, Zach Schaefer, please let everybody know where they can find you.
7: I mean, the website is $2latefee.com, TWO. Uh, all the links are there Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever. We're everywhere, always. 80s, 90s movie podcast. Uh, check us out. We got great interviews next month, March, martial art madness you're going to have phenomenal interviews with some really talented people in the martial art community. So stay tuned.
2: Well, uh, Zach, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about it. Even if you hadn't liked
7: the movie, uh, you would have been more than welcome. You know? Oh, thanks. Uh, and I mean, I'm not as knowledgeable as Nate and Kate, but uh,
0: you know, Kate <gasps> dropping it.
7: Yeah. Well, plus eight. Um,
2: <laughs> the, 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 that's, that's the podcast that you guys can spin off is the Nate and Kate show. Uh, Absolutely.
4: We'll
1: just and, read tweets.
2: And you both have to do that voice the whole time. Do that voice. (laughs) But but I think that what Zach was saying is that uh, he clearly knows that he knows more than I do. That's what uh, the takeaway was there. And I appreciate you sharing that.
7: (laughs) Oh, it's my pleasure.
2: (laughs) Uh, You can find me, Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. Please subscribe to the Blackcast YouTube channel. B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. Stay tuned. And we will see you next time on... The Bladcast. Thank you for listening
0: to The Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook, follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, the man responsible for what you just heard is on Twitter and Instagram, at Christian DMZ. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F A R D M U H A M M A D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast.
6: Lobang Spun is good. when you suck a bunch of dudes' dicks. Go watch the Bladcast with me
0: and Carl. It was a great show. If I remembered it. But if I was on, it must have been great, right? Give myself a bill. No one's gonna see this <laughs> anyway, so I could admit this here, right? We're closed. <laughs>